Hello and welcome back to Beers with Buds. I'm your host, Andrew Friedman, the Canvas Sommelier. Today I'm joined by my new bud, Donnie. Donnie Wong, taking lunch money, Boost CBD with three O's. Thanks for being here, Donnie. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Uh, how are you today? Things are things are good? Things are things are things are great. Things are flying. Um, for the audience here, Andy's just whipped me up here a strawberry old fashioned. Getting me settled in quite nicely, so things are good. Infused with THC too. Infused with THC, correct. Wonderful. Uh, so yeah, thank thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, I kind of gave your handles, but why don't you just introduce yourself, tell everybody about your hustle, and then we'll just dive into like basically talking about beer and cannabis and nonsense. Okay, Donnie Wong, what's going on, everybody? AKA CB Donnie, AKA Tyrannosaurus Flex. Oh. Just kidding, nobody calls me that. Except for me now. <laughs> T flexing. Tyrannosaurus Flex in the house. You can catch me on Instagram. That's taking lunch money. Uh, you can catch our newest venture, Boost CBD. Boost with three O's. And uh, what we do is we make cannabis products for people who don't like getting high, specifically CBDs in the realm of performance and recovery. Okay, that's cool. The CBD world is like huge. That This is the first time I saw you was you were giving a a speech about cbd and athletes and i i saw a few speakers that night and you were definitely the most connecting and engaging because you were talking about recovery and you were talking about cannabis um as as like a legal uh natural health medicine right and that's super interesting because a lot of people are only looking at the recreational side and i heard a great podcast debate uh joe rogan's most recent the podcast pot debate. yeah the pot debate and they went in and it's great because you know the the one thing and the major thing that i think was really well explained is that high thc cannabis is a is a recreational drug yes for most yes in so- certain circumstances it is definitely a cognitive aid but cbd is uh, you know without contestation uh a medicine and now it's a legally available medicine just like if you were to eat uh vitamin b3 or whatever I, I, absolutely and one of the things i uh, especially with the talk especially with our mission here is we want to we really want to uh a, make cbd even more normal normalize cbd even more and take it even out of the realm of medicine boost in particular we want to make sure that the common man the common woman every single day you can understand cbd as a supplement as a supernatural supplement okay as regular as your vitamin c as regular as ginseng that's basically what i think we're going to see in the next 10 years it's a superfood it's a health bingo you got it just take it it. it's it's good for your endocannabinoid system as long as your endocannabinoid system wants to work with it uh that's wicked i love it so um right now what kind of what kind of products are you like imagining for the future or what will be the the products that will connect the best with a cut with a customer yeah so boost itself again we we specialize in performance and recovery so we're not really your everyday hey um take the shake and feel good uh we do show methods of using cbd with your bulletproof coffees your shakes and this and the other the products you're going to see us coming out is purely for performance and recovery you're going to see us come out with our our pre-workouts you're going to see us come with our cooling gels our heating gels you're going to see us come out with our uh cbds with bcaa soon our Mm. proteins with cbds all those things and a couple more down the pipeline that we're prototyping right now so i don't want to give too much out but some really interesting stuff we're going to see pretty soon here and uh so any of those, like how is, one of the things I'm ill-informed about is CBD as a tincture versus, mm-hmm. uh, like as a, as a topical, sorry, yes. at, versus um, ingested. I understand ingested is incredible, but as a topical, does it, does it work? 
Like, is it a real thing? That's a great question. And it's usually about the third question that everyone asks. Oh, First really? one is always, what is CBD? Second one is, how does CBD work? The third one is, what do how do i use cbd we're just assuming everybody knows i feel like we should answer those first two questions yeah. for the people that are just kind of here for the beers part definitely definitely for for our for our alcoholics out there who just happen to stumble across this <laughs> cbd think of cbd as thc's twin brother they look the exact same but on the molecular end they're completely different uh just to generalize this so we can keep this moving thc keeps you high cbd keeps you grounded so cbd is the it's non-psychoactive uh twin brother does not get you high so the next common question is why the hell would i take cbd and so why people take cbd is exactly because it doesn't get you high athletes professionals people have to pass drug tests people have to go through their border but still want the healing effects of cannabis mm. so cbd in particular brings out inflammation which is huge. I'm sure we're going to get deep into that. Helps with anxiety. Uh, helps as a neuroprotectant. Helps you get to sleep. And of course, helps with the anxiety if I didn't already say that. Those are the three main categories before we get really deep down the rabbit hole there. Cool. So after we figure out what CBD is, the next question is, um, how do I use CBD? And this kind of loops us back to what you asked about the, the topicals. Yeah. The different ways that you deploy CBD give it different benefits on the body. Okay. So vaporizing it being the most instant, mm-hmm. most instantaneous. What I found with our with our clientele and, and our research and experience so far, vaping is extraordinary for anything to do with the head and anything to do with the stomach. Mm-hmm. That's why it's things like anxiety, depression, or cramps, especially uh, for girls who have, uh, I think it's endometriosis. Okay. Extremely bad cramping in one puff of a vape. I've yet to meet a girl who cannot get rid of her camps in one puff of something like this. So yeah, I'm fantastic. holding up a little a little vapor, a little CBD vapor. Almost a retrofitted jewel Bingo. is what it looks like. Bingo. And so vaping is incredible for that. The advantages are the, the effects are instantaneous, much right. like you would figure if you smoked a joint. Yeah, exactly. Within a, a, a minute or two minutes, you know exactly what's happening. You got it. You got it. Tinctures, the second thing we brought up here, is great for the overall body. It really helps with anything that's really going on deep inside the body. Stays in the body a lot longer as opposed to vapes, which basically is out of your system about three hours. Tinctures will stay six to eight hours. I really recommend it for clients who, um, say, are have chronic, chronic pain, have um, maybe injuries that they've had their entire lives, especially athletes. Uh, high performers we all have pains that we we found coping mechanisms for Mm -hmm. right things like if uh, for instance if you have a podcast due and you want to get it out but something's nagging pain or say you're a stiff neck or say whatever we'll we'll pile through we'll drive on through (laughs) we'll just put the you know we'll put the blinders on we'll plow through but what we've what we understand now is that we don't have to anymore Mm -hmm. with these tools like cbds that can bring down inflammation loosen up muscles and that's what where the topical comes in Okay. The difference with the topical is you can directly spot treat exactly what area on the body that you're having issues with. Okay. So things like uh, even tight muscles. Mm-hmm. If you're on the desk a lot, chances are your traps in your neck. Yeah, my neck is very so tight muscles. Sore. Very. How's your neck right now? Terrible. I brought a bar on me actually. It's it's, it's in my bag downstairs. Okay, we'll take a break. Seconds. We'll take a break in a bit, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll check. So exactly, this is the most common uh, ailment that most people just look over mm-hmm. because ah eh, whatever you know my neck is sore. But what we understand now is that you don't have to live with a sore neck. You can simply pull out this bar, rub it on your neck, 
uh, our bar will have a cooling sensation. It's all made with natural ingredients, your your, your menthol, your eucalyptus. Mm-hmm. Cooling sensation within seconds. And the most incredible part, the pain is gone. The tightness is gone. Full range of motion back in your neck. That's how incredible uh, it was one, one of the examples of the incredible applications of CBD. So it's almost, because uh, I've had great success with, with just topicals for my shoulder injuries. Uh, I use like this P3 lotion that's mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. It's the only thing when I have terrible shoulder pain. And now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, of course, if I put CBD in this, it's, it's a, another tool in the toolkit to make my muscles better. You got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, wouldn't what what got you into this like uh are you are, are you into sports are you into are you sore what, what's going on there? all the above but this is exactly <laughs> how i got into cbd so i just moved back from from toronto so i was out in toronto born and raised in calgary i should say left uh left for toronto to go pursue uh how to be an entrepreneur i guess for the short version awesome spent five years there finished up with that group and i moved back home and so I had actually met this girl, and as all things, all half all broken bone stories about guys, I got drunk, got in a fight, and I punched an elevator. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Boxer's right? fracture. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough. It was just a tiny little um, crack in the, what's called a ham eight bone. Okay. Tiny little bone of wrist, but I fractured that. So after that was all said and done, cast it up, went back to my my best friend's house. Actually, I should say I woke up downstairs on his couch okay. with two ice packs sandwiched between my hand. After it was casted up and I was back at the house, my friend tells me, and I, you know, it's it's painful. If anyone's ever broke a bone, it's painful. It's not very fun. Yeah, and it so, sucks. It, it sucks. I've had like, multiple boxers fractures. I feel you. <laughs> what, what's a boxer fracture? Is it? Uh, it's when you smash in your knuckles from yeah you anyways. that definitely happened i remember when my fist made impact into the elevator yeah that, uh and by the way that elevator does not exist anymore they had to replace it the entire <laughs> elevator the all my bones they all shifted i had to i had to press my hand and push them back on a place yikes that was a bad idea i went to a plastic surgeon for that really yeah twice i had to go and the guy was like don't do this again or i might not be able to fix it oh so i totally understand that pain. yeah and it's like an it's achy it's achy and it, if you if you move it the sharp pains kick in mm-hmm. so i'm also not one to really that's a faux pas right there um i'm also not one to really take any sort of um yeah we'll both mute our phones a, right a, now a don't pain worry killers or anything of the sort so what happened was I was with my friend and he had just really discovered his cannabis journey. Okay. From completely never smoking to discovering CBDs to now he was delving into the, you know, the heavy CBD THC mm-hmm. mixes. And then he was just, you know, just blasting THC now. Okay. And he said, Donnie, smoke this. And I said, no, I can't because I have business calls. I have sales calls. I was trying to start a business mm-hmm. at that time. And he said, don't worry. It's CBD. I was like, okay. Smoked it. What do you know? Pain is gone, completely normal. And that really that really made a click going on my head. Because I, I, when I was younger, I never understood how rappers are always high, but they perform at such a high level. Okay. That always amazed me. And I have friends, you know, we have friends that could be super high, yeah. but they function completely normal. They could be at any sales call, they can give any talk. And that always blew my mind. My prescription, uh, my prescription is for eight grams a day, and I always try and fill my prescription. Nice, um, nice. So yeah, that is a hilarious. It it made sense how the rappers could do it. 
So that was a big one for me. That clicked for me. And then finally, <laughs> what really clicked in was... They can't all do it, by the way. They, a lot of them wouldn't smoke with me before they'd go on really? stage. Really? Anyways, keep going. What clicked <laughs> yes, with you? Yes, Andy. <laughs> uh, a, a side story. Uh, Fabulous's manager. We used to do a lot of concerts in town. Okay. Fabulous's manager. We couldn't hang. He smoked us out of the hotel room. Amazing. There was me and my three of my best buds. And uh, we, we, we tried. We brought these blunts. We rolled a trifecta, which, you know, is three of the strongest strains we could have we could have come up with. In this hotel room, we couldn't even finish the blunt. Us three had to get up, excuse ourselves, and leave. And he was just going normal, in. just going. Infected mushrooms. Those guys smoke. Really? Good Israeli guys. Really? Those guys smoke. They're awesome. Yes. You know, we, we, we were getting in trouble at Marquee. And I remember going to Method Man and smoking a blunt the entire time he performed at Marquee. And they were getting mad at us for smoking in the green room. It was awesome. Anyways. Have you ever had a chance to hang with DJ LV? No, just because if if you're in the hip hop scene, like obviously he's he's a hip hop DJ, like oh, a, 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 a a pillar of of uh, Calgary hip hop, and he can smoke with the best of them. Oh man, I need to get you guys together, have a good session. Yeah, well, I need to get Snoop Dogg here, Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk, yes, uh, or Method Man, so that I can smoke blunts in the house. You think Gary will smoke? Uh, I think he totally does yeah. in in private. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that he doesn't publicly i think he's not into like i wouldn't want to be slowed down but i think cbd is a big thing for him i know he's heavily invested in cannabis media uh really uh, yeah he's it's kind of under the wraps like in but he did that he did he did a presentation at hall of flowers and i think that really got him interested in the whole game but he knows cannabis is the disruptor yep um and i hear him talk about it on a few occasions it's almost like he's trying to keep it his secret it seems like it right like it's like it's like he's willing to give away everything else except he's like you motherfuckers don't go into cannabis because i'm gonna change this game but yeah i think um i would love to get gary vaynerchuk on the podcast i have a feeling in a bit he i might have to fly to him mm-hmm. but i'm hoping you'll give me 15 or 30 minutes because i'm from the school of gary vaynerchuk so absolutely it's uh yeah i just want to thank him yeah, he, he talks. I've, I've only seen one talk where he kind of dabbles in cannabis, mostly as just the disruptor, but also because to watch that industry, because that's what's going to set the next framework of marketing is mm-hmm. what he's been saying, yep. and, but nothing about cannabis. Well, and he's deep into specific. hip-hop now, right? R- this right, is, This right. has been his new market shift is he's like, he's like, okay, athletes, now I'm going to get a roster of hip-hop, and he always says like hip-hop rules the world and every hip-hop is what creates culture mm-hmm. and if hip-hop and Agreed. cannabis are interlaced as you as you you put it the best uh i just i finally realized how they could smoke so much weed and be rappers um it, it all it all just come to uh come to a forefront this is the this is the tech revolution so okay so you were a, you're like a serial entrepreneur correct when did you start your first business like what what got you into that what did you do before you became an entrepreneur and <laughs> took that lonely road lonely indeed you know what i think just like gary vaynerchuk i i, I think it's for my parents yeah right uh my first ge- first generation canadian uh, my parents flew here from hong kong Amazing. to make sure that we had a great life um shout out to mom and dad shout out to mom and dad mom worked busted her ass off as a caretaker her whole life to make sure we had a good life my dad as i finally learned the story just two years ago uh, my dad got us here, had this crazy adventure to even get the right citizenship, and by, it was completely by chance and fluke that the right guy walked out of an office that he had me sitting at, that got it, brought it all together, 
he made it back, finally settled in his pocket for with $600 in his pocket awesome. to be able to raise our family. And now uh, my brother, myself, and, 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 you know, bless my sister, she's gone now, but raise a family, completely different country. And wow. so I was always in my dad's studio, in his photo studio when I was young. So I always tell photographers when I get a chance to meet him, I grew up in the dark room. Oh, awesome. Right? So I, there's a couple of smells I'll always, you'll never forget, and that's the finish, the film washes. Okay. You'll never forget that type of ammonia I smell. I need to smell that because that sounds like such a great wine describer. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very acidic. It's got the, those, 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 those aromas are sharp. You'll never forget them. Cool. I'll always remember hearing the, the timer go off, and, it's, and obviously it's a dark room, so I'm just kind of like shuffling around. So watching my dad as an entrepreneur, um, they were also very interesting because... Even though they're immigrants, they weren't very strict in the sense of culture, in the sense of what they expected me to do. Awesome. So even like they never really bugged me about university or college. I think they just really wanted me just to grow up to be a good man. And so with that freedom, Mm -hmm. you know, with that power comes a lot of responsibility. Seriously. And uh, I think the big thing is I just never let them down. But to give you, when they gave me that freedom, and they 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 were they were they were strict. Don't get me wrong, they were mm-hmm. strict disciplinarians. But what that teaches you is respect. It teaches you hard work, and it yeah. teaches you that hey, you have to look out for yourself. You totally. have to look out for yourself because the world is harsh out there. And so what happened was, I remember after high school, all my friends were going to university. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all trying to be engineers. This was 2002 in Calgary when <laughs> oil is booming and everyone's trying to be an engineer. And I'm always, I never like going with the with the with the masses. I don't know what it is, but they all became engineers. And I said, no, I want to start Nike. I want to start Starbucks. Like, how the hell did Howard Schultz and Phil Knight? How did they create that? What a better idea! Exactly. And so I cheers said, to you, actually. Give me a, give me a big cheers. <laughs> cheers, on that. That's awesome. cheers, cheers, cheers. And so I said, I'm not going to go to college. Uh, but I ended up taking a few classes, which just solidified how much I hated college. Yep. It was accounting. I remember specifically it was accounting. <laughs> they were teaching us an accounting class. And I said to myself, this is stupid. I will hire the best accountant one day to do this for me. I don't <laughs> understand why I need to learn this. And then I left. I think it was the, after the first quiz. I was just like, screw this. I'm out of here. Dropped out. See ya. Bye. See you later, Mount Royal College. Thank you for your time. Amazing. And so the first business, I guess it was the first opportunity I monetized now that we look back was my birthday parties. Okay. So I used to have really just absolute rager of birthday parties. I mean, like hundreds of people come out for these things. So I'd rent a club and I'd bring everybody in and it was always for the pretense of, hey, now that high school's over, let's bring everyone back together again. Everyone's off and gone, so let's just bring this back together again. Tony and, fucking Wong. Yeah. Yeah, crushing it. <laughs> so, and at that time, I had different groups of friends like everyone does as you grow up. Yeah. So in our 20s, I started bringing as many groups of people together. You were the guy. And I guess so. And these things just turned into ultimate ragers, right? Like we'd awesome. have, you know, at that time, ma- making it rain was a big thing. So, you know, we'd have girls popping out of cakes. We'd make it rain, throw stacks <laughs> of cash in the air. And that's when I met my first business partner, DJLV. Okay. Um, from there, that transitioned into promoting concerts. So we okay. were the first ones to bring Neo. What was your pr- com- concert promo company called? 
Did you have a company name? Paper Crown. Okay. Yeah, Paper cool. Crown. Paper Crown was our, our company. Uh, we're the first ones to bring Neo. Neo was big R&B artist back in the day. We're the first people to bring Nas to the city. The first wow. and second time. Oh, shout yeah. out. Yeah, shout out to Nas. Thank you. Uh, those some bootlegged our tickets. Bootlegged our tickets and caused almost a riot outside because people couldn't get in to see Nas. So they're ki- they're kicking all the windows of the whiskey. We got in some trouble for that. Uh, shout out to the bootleggers. I hate you. Good Fuck on you, you though. Bootleggers. Anyways, that was a G move. Yeah, Hustling. Ex- exactly, exactly. But it, t- it taught us to like, okay, you need some sort of you need to make your tickets better. They're they're very easily scammed. Yeah. So from the uh, concert production, we both now I had a few partners when we started promoting, and they were two of them were uh, promoters, Alvi and um, uh, other, one of our dearest friends, Chris, Chris Photo, shout out to them both, Meatball and Butterball. <laughs> and they were actually promoters to some of the, the most prolific promoters in our city at the time. Okay. And they were. Um, they had these uh, 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 they're promoting a Friday and a Saturday night at this brand new dinner this brand new idea nightlife idea in Calgary it was called a supper club mm-hmm. and it was the first one in the city called Opus on 8th and they said hey, you should come in and throw your birthday party here and I was like okay and that's when we threw that rager like absolute rager and the uh, the owner of that club at the time a uh, good friend of mine now one of my mentors Preston it was amazing. I met him, and every idea I threw at him, he's like, that's awesome. That's a great idea. Strippers? No. Topless? A topless service? Do you know what we should do? We'll paint Flames jerseys on them. Even better. <laughs> Girl popping out a cake? No problem. We'll bake you the cake. This guy, I never met someone just loved my idea so much. I was willing to do this in his business. So we're like, okay. Comes full circle, and we actually end up buying that club from him. Okay. And so I'm 23 at the time. I have no business owning a nightclub. Yeah. Okay. And but now you own one. And but now I now I'm a twenty-three year old kid that owns a nightclub. Awesome. And we have our our partners and none Do you remember of us. Remember what you paid for the nightclub? Is that a crazy question? No, we paid half a million dollars for it. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a spot downtown on eight. It's a spot downtown. We got a killer deal on it. There's all all the all the business metrics and cool stuff that we got went on behind the scenes. All the data. All all the all the business data stuff. But uh, I had older partners. Clearly, I was the youngest one. Yeah. Okay. And they handled cool. the transaction. They handled obviously the, uh, the 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 purchase of the nightclub. Yeah. And off we went. And all of a sudden, I, I was running and owning a nightclub. Wow! Yikes. Yeah. And so from, <laughs> yeah. that's a business I wouldn't wish on like my worst enemy. So funny, funny thing is that actually checked off one of my very first goals in life, okay. which was how do I get paid to party? I think every 20 year old wants to live that out. Oh God. Fuck. Yeah. How, how do, do I get, get paid to party? And this was before Instagram, right? And how so, do I be the coolest guy how do in the club? The coolest? Yeah. That, that, that came with it. So, uh, yeah, I was running the club and, uh, yeah, if anyone r- runs a club or owns a club, and if anyone wants to know, it's as awesome as you think it is. <laughs> it's every bit as awesome as you think it is. As a 23-year-old, is it as awesome as a 40 or 50-year-old guy? Depends what you want from your life. I, exactly. Uh, exactly. I would figure so. That's crazy. Okay, so you, so how long did the club last for? Club lasted for exactly, exactly to the date. From March 1st, 2012 to March 1st, 2017. It was exactly five years. We had a good run. Wow. Yeah, we had a great run. Great run, what was great the club team. Called? Opus on eighth. How the f- how the fuck did I never end up there? I have I have no idea. That's crazy. I have no idea. That's crazy because I was heavily in the the wait, 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 and DJ scene chicka, at chicka, that chicka. point. Yeah, and the chicka chickas. I wasn't doing a good job networking though. Okay, I'll admit that. If I wanted to actually make money, here's the best tip for any struggling musician out there that's listening. 
uh yes it's cool to be cool and get paid to party and be the coolest guy in a nightclub but there's a lot more money djing at shoppers drug mart or like literally just pitching yourself to anyone and everyone as a dj uh i never wanted to be a wedding dj but like shit now i'm like fuck i could really go do a friday and be a wedding dj yes uh, so yeah if you're if you're out there and you're like man i want to be a musician i'm not making any money i'm a dj i don't make any money it's because you're not asking for enough gigs exactly straight up exactly exactly that's a great point because this is half entrepreneur and half have cannabis here's a pro tip i want to share some of these life tips that that we've gleaned on the journey to these two chairs in front of each other yes and I learned this from a billionaire in Toronto when I got a chance to work very close with some billionaires. And here's a tip for all you youngsters out there, okay? The money you make in your 20s and 30s is not to be spent. Okay. You save every single penny of that and you do not blow it on cars. You don't blow it on BMWs. Nobody cares, trust me. Don't blow it on the nice clothes. Save it so you can make moves. Mm-hmm. When in your 20s, the only reason why guys hustle is to get girls. Straight up. You do not need money to get girls. Learn some game, watch some YouTube clips, get out there and spit fire. Save every single penny. Stay broke. Word. I can't. <laughs> word. I'm the, like the brokest guy right now. <laughs> I, I, people saw, I feel like I, I like wear a suit and i have this fancy mustache but if people knew the car that i drove like they'd be like what the fuck like they'd laugh at me but that's okay because the priorities like i only we only bought the house because i didn't want to pay rent anymore Mm -hmm. and there was there was enough money saved that i could start building equity in the house and now the reality is no matter how long we're in here when we leave there's money to either buy a house somewhere else in the world or start the business that we want with and bootstrap it ourselves absolutely and and you guys picked uh, an up-and-coming community too so yeah it is it's skyrocketing they're building a school two blocks to the right hey. also which is so perfect yeah if we uh it was awesome we bought the house and we got our tax assessment like a month ago yeah. we've only been here for six seven months and it was already 30 grand more than we paid for it and i was like Whoa! yes yes here we go <laughs> you know this is this is this is this is that opportunity that i need so that i can create the business of my dreams going forward like I'm, i'll just i'll eat shit right now absolutely and uh yeah we want a new couch so bad and i'm like babe between a new couch and like funding your business mm-hmm. uh sarah wants to do a preschool or a daycare um that's a brilliant business yeah it's it's good consistent yes. revenue yes um it's and, it's residual income and a much needed service exactly ah, a much needed service so um i was like you know what between a two thousand dollar couch and like putting two grand into into your business mm-hmm. like let's 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 keep yeah. the couch we both hey hate. cheers to that man business all the way yeah man. business yeah. all the way just yeah. just hustle Absolutely. and crush it because nobody i i don't even know how i got such a hot gr- girl and now she even said she'd good on you by the way good on you good on you you guys are a good looking couple <laughs> not only you. you guys are a good looking couple you're the quirky good looking couple <laughs> and you guys got the vibes you know like you know that you see some couples and they're like they're great looking, but they just have no chemistry, yeah. and they're bickering. <laughs> and then I see you two at, at the uh, at the um, at the event. By the way, I I've only known Andy for what, like four days. Four days. Yeah, which four is days. Awesome. And we're moving quick here. Yeah, it's a, I like it's you an a instant lot. brothership. We know this guy means business, and we got to make it happen. Yeah. But I love you and your girl. You guys just have such awesome chemistry. Oh, well, we're gonna go on some double dates. And Heck yeah! Do some awesome things. Absolutely. You know, play your cards right. You might get invited to the wedding. Ooh. Yeah. 
Jamaica, Jamaica. Ooh, I should have brought a 12-pack. <laughs> don't, don't worry. There's, there's, there's plenty of booze here. That's one of the things I'm always worried about. Well, I keep buying booze, mm-hmm. and there's no way in a lifetime I could drink all the booze yeah. that's in the house. Well, I guess I could... People are always like, why don't you throw a party when I say that? That's the trick. Host the party. I guess I could get people to pay. Yep. Just host the party, and you'll just have a year's worth of booze. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, I have a lot of booze. I have a lot of booze. You know what you could do as a cannabis psalm? Mm-hmm. Just tell people, bring whatever bottle you want, your favorite bottle of liquor, and I'll mix it for you. Ooh. Boom. Bam. That's Done. it. That's Done. it. I think I need to diversify in my events and start doing way more events, and it's like bring your own booze bring your own cannabis i'll teach you how to make everything and anything with both of them hey because hey. i need to figure out that's one of my struggles right now is uh figuring out how to diversify my revenue streams yeah and how i can start uh creating like consistent income between Absolutely. doing the dinners because at this point it's like if i'm only doing a dinner a month like there's a lot of opportunities going forward uh but doing a dinner a month it's like that's that doesn't make enough money at Absolutely. all so i need to uh yeah i need to figure out something how i can teach people or how i can create some kind of income we we, we can we got lots to talk about okay we got lots and lots to talk about because this this in the past two years that was my exact focus how do i create multiple revenue streams mm-hmm. with the goal of indestructible income shout out grant cardone awesome how do we create indestructible income? And it's you got to have your you got to obviously got to have your earned income. You got to mm-hmm. have your passive income stream, right? Mm-hmm. That takes some work. And then after that, like, how do you? Do, where's my investment? Where's my big right. investment? I like how you got the investment. And and here's the funny part. This, I think that's where you and I really clicked, because you talked about how you quit your high paying job to pursue your goals and your dream company. And that right there, when I was like, this guy's the man. <laughs> that's why I left Toronto and recently I had just turned down a six-figure offer to make sure I stay and and keep uh, focusing on the momentum I've built with Boost. That's legit. And that's when you said that. I was like, yo, this guy knows what's up. That's awesome. This guy knows what's up. And I guess, well, you know, something people should like, I'm, you know, I'm scared. Like, I'm like, I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. how do I, how, what's my next play? Like, what's the next move? How do I create something more and it's so crazy to hear you like go through your uh, i'm sure you know there's there's peaks and there's there's valleys and to turn down a six-figure job at this point but i'm sure you see like the sunrise is coming up over the horizon right now for for your cbd company like this is the moment where it's like this is the internet boom and you're jeff bezos like doing amazon It's 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 a it's a big moment. And what's interesting, I talk to a lot of people in the states, and I see a lot of people in the states. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of can- CBD players in the states. Mm-hmm, definitely massive. Seems to be like it seems to be like a very forgotten market mm-hmm. in Canada for some reason. Exactly. Which I'm just so confused about because neglected. It's neglected. It's completely an, neglected. It, it's, nobody's looking at it like a health food product like mm-hmm. everybody is in the United States. I'm talking to that high couple and they're telling me they're selling CBD stuff in Walmart health section and whatever. And it's like, well, that'll never happen here. But like will people ever even have the acceptance so okay so totally pivoted turn with cbd what's the effective dose because i've heard that medicinally it's uh five to 15 milligrams per kilogram of body weight if it's ingested but inhalation is a completely different unmeasurable thing Mm -hmm. um do you know any of this data or do you have any anecdotal evidence for yourself i have one story that i'd love to tell you Yes, yes, I'd love to hear that story. But to answer the question, 
I think at the end of the day, it all wraps back up to that universal answer that's different for everyone. Yeah, right. Everybody's biochemistry is different. It's exactly. And that's universal for all cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, with CBD in particular, because there's very, very light side effects, like at worst, you would get sleepy, which is mm-hmm. why people love using it for sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you might get a headache. Yeah. So because of, you know, if you just like all cannabis, it's great in little bits. It gives you, you know, your euphoria, your pain free, mm-hmm. uh, uh, lighthearted attitude, right? Uh, peace, peaceful state of mind. Just a little bit too much, it does the opposite. Mm-hmm. So with CBD, dosage is always the third major question after we solve the first three main ones. Yeah. Okay. After they figure what is CBD, uh, how does it work, what how do i use it and then once they figure out what product they use which we built the tool right into Mm boost.ca so that you can actually click the button three o's three o's guys boost the extra (laughs) o is for originality yes (laughs) (laughs) and so there's actually tools on boost.ca so you could bring your aunt you could bring your brother you can bring whoever and click it and our goal was can we teach you about cbd within five clicks okay right so after you figure after you figure what is cbd can you find the product to use and then we get into dosage Mm -hmm. and that's the big enigma wrapped in a big question mark there right it's always going to go back to uh uh, start low and go slow Mm -hmm. even with cbd you recommend that even with cbd because it's way more effective than some people think right okay it's, it's way more effective and what people don't understand is that they're waiting for such a visceral effect like you take a shot of tequila, you get warm, you get tingly, you get buzzed. Yep. You take even like a little piff of a, of a joint, you're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. CBD is not the same, right? You only feel it if there's something wrong, quotation marks, lack of a better word. Uh, much like if, if, you, if you and I just took, say, an Advil right now, mm-hmm. we wouldn't feel a damn thing. Yeah. Well, I'm my shoulder's killing me. We got to get you that bar. You're going to feel nothing. Yeah. <laughs> By the time we, we come back from the break, that shoulder's going to be free range rolling. Sweet. I love it. But um, if, if we took, let's say, uh, I'll just use uh, Advil. If I took Advil right now on a good day, I wouldn't feel anything. Right. It's not it's just it's not, do it's anything. not really doing anything. But if you have a hangover and you take Advil, you're going to feel a lot. Mm-hmm. And what right. you're feeling is the dissipation of whatever ailment you're having. That's a very interesting way that I've never heard anybody put it. Mm-hmm. CBD is really only noticeable if you if there's something to notice it on. Bingo. Ones who are more in tune with, say, their, their self-awareness of their body and connection with their body, mm-hmm. they will feel like, holy cow, I'm much calmer. My mood is much much more stabilized. Yeah. A lot of those uh, a lot of those effects but for for your general person who doesn't know much about cbd they're they're really looking for something right they want they want that feeling they want to be fucked up exactly like that's it exactly. and you know what if you want to feel wow this is where i was going to go with my story i uh <clears throat> i was in california and i got given papa and barclays uh thousand milligrams huge brand big brand lots Love the of money behind yeah, them really beautiful packaging everything about it was yeah. just really well done in my opinion i was like this is a great standard to take um anyways so i was leaving the next day but i really wanted to try this product um edibles are usually ineffective for me even though i had my first psychedelic edibles experience recently. really um yeah, Sarah can take 2,000 milligrams of stuff and not feel a thing. She's like a... You guys have iron livers. Yeah, she's intense. I don't Jeez. even know what's up with her. Um, but I was like, I want to feel an effect from CBD because I have never had a noticeable effect from mm-hmm. it. It's never... Like, I've consumed CBD cannabis and I haven't seen any noticeable effect. Um, CBD isolates. 
anyways, so I take it's 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 in an MCT oil tincture, mm-hmm. thousand milligrams, and I'm like, I'm just gonna try and chug as much of this bottle as I can. So I I think I got like three quarters of it down. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. How strong was this bottle? Thousand milligrams. <laughs> Well, because as I understood, the effective medicinal dose was five to fifteen uh, milligrams per kilogram. Okay. So, and you know, I always usually overdo it by two or three times. So right, right, right. Let's just if I if I could have finished all of it, I would have. Right. To be honest, it was just start grossing me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time, I felt the medicinal effects right. of CBD. I got on a plane. I went to LAX, and like usually i'm all panicked going through security Mm -hmm. and i don't like being at the airport and i feel sick i Mm -hmm. will always feel nauseous as i get to the airport uh i felt great there you go i was just i was just like you know it was like i've never taken xanax or any of those kind of drugs likewise but if but if i could imagine what that might do for somebody to make them just like and not that i became a zombie and lost my personality no that's not what it does but i just felt uh i just felt like good centered almost like the afterglow of mushrooms it it just took away my gut feeling bingo bingo and the, and and you know what i would that kind of is what i mean by thc gets you high mm-hmm. cbd keeps you grounded because cbd <clears throat> kind of is a, is a psychoactive right like is it is it a hundred percent like i understand the idea that it's not psychoactive as a drug or a hallucinogenic or a psychedelic mm-hmm. but it is psychoactively interacting with your mind right because it does no. have benefits no it, no tell me out here because yeah. I'm, not, I'm not no problem it. so we'll get I'll, I'll try and guess technical without completely just being wrong yeah i'm the science isn't my my forte oh, but, that's fair. but why you have psychoactive effects because mm-hmm. in your endocannabinoid system mm-hmm. and to just gloss over it really quickly for our uh, our beginners here you have a bunch of systems in your body your skeletal system your digestive system you also have something called an endocannabinoid system which naturally uses cannabinoids which are just molecules of of cannabis plants mm-hmm. but your body naturally naturally produces Comes in it meats well. and cheeses and bingo, stuff too bingo you got it but what thc does is it actually binds and connects to your cb1 cb1 receptors mm-hmm. which are most apparent in your brain and your and your in your uh, uh, uh central nervous system right which is what gets you high right and, excuse me cbd actually does not bind to your system it's isn't it a cb it's a cb2 and what it does actually it helps your it helps your body use more of its natural endocannabinoids okay and that's why it doesn't get you high okay it just kind of tells your body to use more or produce more of what it's already using so your natural endocannabinoids in the city are and in your body rather are anandamide and um one more, I can't remember. I don't remember it. So, I just heard them say it a whole bunch. Exactly. Anyways. So I'm not huge on the science, but what that's what it is. It's C, the THC really bonds to your to those CB receptors. Okay. CB does not. It's more of just kind of like just kind of like it's bouncing, pre- bouncing, and kind of just tells your body to. And it's getting use that anandamide. Am I saying it right? An- anandamide or something. Anandamide, like that. whatever it is, because um, that's the one that comes from eating meat and one of the ideas why people are having positive effects from keto and carnivore is that they're getting uh increases of yeah right in their body interesting from from the diet um so yeah again and then they're also finding that cbd is making anandamandehyde fuck i hate fucking up that word i feel so dumb anyways um is is making it last longer the amounts that are being naturally created in the body cbd is making those uh times stretch out i can see that which is just 
So cool. I'm so excited to see all the data that comes about. Yes. Because <clears throat> yes. that's the one most limited thing. Uh, anybody who's like anti-cannabis is like, well, the, you know, the studies aren't there. It's like, well, yeah, because nobody could do the studies. But exactly. The anecdotal evidence is there. The This is the longest clinical trial of anything ever done in existence with the most anecdotal evidence. Absolutely. Thousands of years. Right. To, to say that like... I love. There was an interesting one though that um, they were talking about was that or somebody was talking about was that maybe your genetic disposition to your regionality uh, or your like ethnicity and having cannabis around you and through your generations may be the reason why people have um, cannabinoid deficiencies or have um, overreactive cannabinoid systems uh, cultures that don't do well with cannabis why some cultures do really well with cannabis um, uh, they were saying like people in India have evolved with it um, but if you're like a, a, a really white guy from the polar somewhere you you never having any interact your your genetic lineage never having any interaction with it may give you a better disposition for cannabis to mess you up um i think the logic is sound completely sound it's it's kind of the same reason why for some for for instance that asians are lactose intolerant it's okay. because you know we, um that's how the mongols took over china Right. It's, it's because the Mongols developed an enzyme that could break down and use dairy proteins while oh, the shit. Chinese did not have it. Okay. So what happens was when Genghis Khan attacked China and they, they moved so that fast, even with one-tenth, one-twentieth of the army, mm-hmm. they could attack at the speeds and move because China couldn't mobilize their carts and horses and whatnot. All the Mongols had, were on horseback and they just drank milk. Wow. The Chinese could not drink milk. They could not metabolize. the. They didn't have the enzyme to metabolize milk. Because they didn't, because they didn't have it, they didn't use milk. Crazy. While the Mongols had sheep milk, and they could move with their energy. Absolutely, source. and they would decimate Chi- the entire Chinese villages and armies, and they could move as fast as a Chinese messenger because they're all using the same technology—a horse. Right. So just based on that loose logic of 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 your proximity hmm. in your region and what's available, I completely believe that. That that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's I. I think I like. I think you backed it up straight up there. That's that was cool. And there you have it, folks. Yeah. Case closed. Case closed. So did Genghis Khan smoke can? I think the Mongolians did have a cannabis culture. Uh, I think Asia. Asia in general is one of the, is is the first recorded case of cannabis. Right. Um, but as a medicine, I wouldn't see it being too too far from fact because even myself, I grew up with my grandmother in my house, as mm-hmm. most Asian families do. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was sick, there's no Tylenol. It's we're going to Chinatown. We're getting we're going to the herb shop. Cool. They're all in big, you know, like hay sacks. They scoop it up. Everything is bulk in China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything bulk in Chinatown. So they scoop up what they need. I have no idea what any of these herbs are. She goes home. She boils it in a clay pot. And she serves it to you, and they always say, drink this, it's healthy for you. And it is always disgusting. Wow. But herbal medicine has been the, the go-to in my house since I was young. Well, it's uh, me and Sarah, when we met, it was interesting. We had a discussion of Eastern versus Western medicine. Mm-hmm. She had never she had literally never heard the term Eastern medicine. Interesting. Like, that, I, I, I feel like, I don't want to color she was like you know that's kind of like racist and i'm like no 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 like this is uh this is these are long-rooted holistic healing 
cultures like there is plant medicine that's extremely obvious yep. that is long rooted in clinical evidence and for thousands of years yeah like a long time like um you know and we even you like valerian root to fall asleep like all of these things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh they've, they've been proven in time and to think that plant medicine can so easily be forgotten is uh it's crazy, but I've never had an. Ex it's so cool to hear you say, like, you know, you're a first generation immigrant. I'm like so fucking Canadian. I don't even know when anybody showed up here. I swear your sweater's from Roots as we speak. Yeah, and it literally says Canada <laughs> it on says the Canada. back. It's across the whole back. To paint you guys a picture, if you guys know, like, a sock monkey. <laughs> Andy looks like like the Beverly Hills sock monkey right now. Canadian sock monkey. Like. <laughs> the Beverly Hills sock monkey. I like that. I'm I'm gonna put that on Instagram. Um, yeah, it's uh, I've never had any of that culture. Like my mom was good with uh, she liked crystals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yadi, and she was she would adopt plant medicines and natural paths and stuff like that. But the idea that your grandmother could just go yeah. to the to the market oh, yeah. and be like, you know, like this, 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 and this, this is the tea that somebody's been brewing in our family for yeah. thousands. Know, this is what I grew up on. Mm -hmm. I don't even know when this started, but this mm -hmm. works. That's in, that's incredible to me. And yeah. I'd love to smell those herbs and just like, I want to know more of those stories. I feel so disconnected. Totally. But it's also cool to hear you say like, um, there was no cultural expectations on you as well yeah i i to this day i don't understand even just i was leaving my house the other day a couple weeks maybe just recently this year i'm on my way out and my dad's like he stops me he goes donnie you know, uh yeah and he goes i just want you to let you know me and my dad aren't close we don't have these close talks but when he says that i'm like okay okay he says, i just want to let you know that you can marry whoever you want oh and i was like huh and he's like, I want you to know that my mo uh, your mother and I have no expectations of you. You can marry whoever they want. Obviously, they love my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, Carmen. And, and, <laughs> shout out to Carmen. And, and I'm Chinese. My girlfriend is, uh, is Caucasian. She's half German, half Canadian, I believe. Don't pause too long. <laughs> She's just a beautiful that, lady. That, that beautiful lady. This, and this beautiful uh, THC drink is, is, is buzzing right now. And, and and he said that and i remember leaving the door and i'm thinking that that was the nicest thing ever and maybe that in and of itself is really a snapshot of my entire my entire my, my entire childhood that man they they really just came here to just do the best they could it's and, really cool and that's why i love when gary v says being an immigrant is the number one advantage because being a first generation immigrant it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Yeah, you, you owe your parents a shitload. Absolutely. Everything. I owe them everything because you saw the struggle. You understand the struggle, but you never, but in my house, you there was never talk of money. Mm -hmm. We never talked that we were poor. There was never talk that we could have not. There was just, no, we're not doing that. That's a waste. That doesn't benefit you. No. And, and, and what I'm and down to the cereal, like, the best cereal we had growing up was cornflakes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's it. There is no Lucky Charms. There's no Fruit Loops. If we even tried to mention it, we'd get scolded. Scolded in public like a good Asian family. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need that, Donnie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, no so. Frosted Flakes for you. It's amazing. <laughs> and and that and that was it was it was interesting. So to to really come full circle, I really believe like that discipline, but at the same time that freedom they gave me mm -hmm. really let me 
they, they gave me a long leash. Yeah, they and wanted you to yeah, grow up. They really did. Well, it's interesting because sometimes you see people hold on to culture so strongly mm-hmm. and it's like, no, you have to represent who you are mm-hmm. and what we are. And it's amazing. It's just really cool to hear. It's like, no, like pave your own way. Were you born in Hong Kong or were you born here? In Canada. Okay. Yes. And it's like, it's like, yeah, Donnie, we want you to just like show us, show us what's going to happen. Yeah. Which is such a beautiful, cool thing. We came here to give you a great life. Grow up and 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 be a, be a cool person. Yeah. No expectations. A, a, exactly. And it, and what that does is it comes back as like I cannot fail them. Yeah. I cannot fail them. You mean you literally flew here and made an entire new life to learn a new language to leave your bright futures in Hong Kong to come to Canada on a few hundred bucks on a few hundred bucks. If you can do that, okay, I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that that we not only succeed but thrive and really take advantage of everything that we have, right? Really, just be very, just wake up every single day and be very thankful of what we have, right? And then, and with that energy, with that gusto, launch your ass out of bed and really just give it all you got. Truly, every day you're awake is kind of a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. There's one promise that you're going to die. Exactly. Exactly. I saw I, I hate that I keep talking about Gary Vee, but it it's one of the driving factors in my life is just knowing that I'm going to die mm-hmm. makes me want to be great every day or just be pretty good. Like I don't have to be great every day, like just being good's good enough. Um but this woman runs up to his car and she's like three words, tell me three words of inspiration day and he's like you're going to die. So Gary V. Right. So Gary V. Oh. That's the stoic side of Gary V. Do you I talk about it all the time. When did you get into Gary Vaynerchuk? When was he like Recently. Okay, you're Recently, you're a new newcomer to the school. Uh, a fairly new The Church of, of The v? Church of Gary V. I, I don't I love Gary V for for his oracleness. Like he really understands social media marketing. He's but the thing about Gary I, I don't really religiously follow him. I'm more okay. of like a super fan as opposed to a, 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 like a, the people I follow is Ramit Sethi, Russell Brunson, and Grant Cardone. Okay, so I don't Ex- follow any of them. Cool. Yeah, so those are more like extreme niche down sales and marketing types. Cool, okay. So love those guys. Um, and they're more specific and tact. They have more tactics and they have more um, products. Gary Vee doesn't sell much of a product. He's more of like the he, overarching uh, his uh, info himself. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I really appreciate what he does because he's not trying to pitch you. No, he's not trying to pitch you, and he's being very real about it. So in that, and, but he's got a very firm grasp of the future of digital marketing, and that's why I really tune in because that guy, especially what you've done here with the passive listening and the in the podcast, Gary Vee's right. This will be the future. Yeah, he sees. It's so interesting. I started watching him with Wine Library TV. Which wow. You, which I, I didn't even, you might have just heard him talk about, but I actually watched it a bunch. And like that still only has 20,000 subscribers. Really? Maybe 30,000 now. But most of the videos are like well under 100,000 views. Like nobody's watching them. And it's so interesting because you'll have uh, people like Hugh Johnson and Jancis Robinson and all these people that are like really cool to me in the wine world Mm -hmm. like that i'm so excited about and nobody's watching this stuff but he gave a thousand episodes of consistent a thousand he did yeah so he quit out at like 992 and he did them every day or every second day for three years um and yeah he quit out and then he came back when he was famous and did like the next thousand but it's interesting that 
he started that and it was like one video where he said some stupid shit about smurfs or something mm. that actually went viral in like 2008 and got him on ellen and then he was like okay i'm gonna capitalize on this and this was around the time that he had invented the email marketing newsletter or this was this was one of the interesting things with wine library I might be wrong on this, but I think I'm pretty sure I'm right about the story. He was one of the guys to pioneer the email newsletter and start selling wine through his email newsletter. Okay. And he was the very first person to do a wine vlog and start selling wine through the vlog. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, it was that one viral video and he's like, okay, I got to keep capitalizing and just literally kept doing the videos and still it's so fucked up. Nobody watches them. And when he became... Like he grew that business to like $160 million a year business from like a $6 million business. Mm-hmm. Wine Library is a, the literal store. Wine Library TV. His dad is on Instagram. Sash, Sasha. Sasha Vaynerchuk. Shout out Sasha Vaynerchuk. Dude, he'll reply to you in the comments. Like he's there. He, Sasha's out there watching. All these guys, you want to see AJ Vaynerchuk, like any of those guys in his family, uh, they'll reply to you. Everybody except for Gary Vaynerchuk, but that's okay. One day I'll get him to reply to me. Yeah. Gary, if you're listening, come be my Jancis Robinson moment. I keep asking you. Have you ever sent him a video? uh no but i probably should send him a video or just start like a hardcore campaign online where it's like uh i might call it like you know how he has a show ask gary v yeah yeah i might i might start hashtag like ask gary v to be on my podcast i bet you you and i could come up with something between us and our all our iphones yeah and our gimbals we could come up with some prolific content without a doubt I could get him on the phone if we really tried. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I think I should challenge myself to this now. If I really tried, I feel like I could get him on the phone in the next month. In one month? Yeah, in one month, without a doubt, I think I could have him on the phone uh, for at least fifteen minutes. I will, as 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 an honored guest, I will hold you to that. Fuck. March nineteenth, which is right after St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for the because it'll take a lot. Like it won't be, it won't be easy. It'll be me mm-hmm. on Twitter sending them like fifteen tweets a day, maybe mm-hmm. twenty five tweets a day, and I'll be making content directed directly towards him on YouTube, f- Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Who, oh yeah, who, we could, who does? Who's his team? Because if it can't get through to him, who should we send it to that will pass it to him? Well, it's so interesting. His email is Gary uh, at VaynerMedia.com. I've I I somebody sent me his phone number like two weeks ago and was like yo here's gary vaynerchuk's phone number text him okay i have it right here i think it's in my phone i learned this from grant cardone this is in the sales university what we do we don't text him we text him a video yeah i sent him a sick video i want to see if i saved his number i know i have it in an email but i don't think it's his actual direct one but i texted him i said what's up gary v it's your boy uh cannabis some what's going on gary no it's right here i didn't i didn't even save it because you know what i'll be super honest it got sent to me in an email and it was like this is my phone number and it was from gary at vayner media and everything and i was D- like shout out to white iphone x's xs did you get the x oh XS? no this is the x i got the xs i just gotta rub it in a little oh, i thought we were best friends till now No, but you got you're doing cool things with yours you got stuff that i haven't even seen before the magic of the iPhone. What was that? You. What was that app that you were talking about? Okay, so here it is. Here's Gary Vaynerchuk's phone number. Do you want it? Heck yeah. Yeah. Here. Okay. There you go. This email's from from Gary at GaryVaynerchuk.com. Get out of here. Actually, yo, watch this video. But here's a punchline. 
I've switched my text platform. I have an epic new one. So that's the number right there. That's the number. Okay, it's on. I know. I'm like, I don't want to give it away. No, we're not going to give it away. We're not going to give it away. We're going to test it first. (laughs) We're going to test it first. Don't worry, guys. We'll test it first. And see if he replies, and then you can have it. Should we try calling it right now while we're on podcast? I'm going to try calling it. Absolutely. 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 It's busy. I bet people are calling it all day. We'll try calling it one more time. Imagine if Gary Vaynerchuk picked up the phone right now. On Ask Gary V. Oh, oh we got ghosted. Gary Vaynerchuk sending out dead, dead phone numbers. Well, you know what's interesting though is this is uh this is Gary GaryVaynerchuk.com. But I heard if you want to get in contact with him, you gotta email Gary at VaynerMedia.com. And that's it. He reads all he reads his emails. Like it's him reading his emails. So um honestly, yeah, if you want to get in touch with him, probably send him a different video a day mm-hmm. and then create Instagram content. Yeah. Uh, and then micro content as well. Tag him in your stories so that yeah, he yeah, could repost yeah. it. Um, and you'd be able to connect with him in 21 days. Here's a question for you. How are you utilizing your, your social media? Are you mainly on Instagram? No, I'm, uh, it's cool. Gary V. I was like, I can't just be on Instagram because if Instagram disappears tomorrow, I can't be screwed. Right. That's right. The, my YouTube channel has been doing really well lately. Like not that my numbers are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm, closer to 800 subscribers than yeah. i am 700 subscribers yeah. now and those numbers of real organic followers of mm-hmm. actual engaged uh viewers is 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 blowing my mind like to have to know that a thousand people are, are like with oh, 750 people are subscribed on youtube heck yeah is serious like heck to get yeah, that many is. subscribers is 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 actually mind-boggling they to have me. to like when you're starting out, is it, correct me wrong, are they like literally digging you out of a haystack to yeah. find you? Yeah. Because that algorithm isn't very new user-friendly. You have to create your content and you have to create more content. And it's like, the but even past creating the content, getting somebody to subscribe is so hard. Like I'll even talk to people in person. Like I'm sure you're not, subs- I know you're not subscribed mm-hmm. to the no, YouTube not. channel. And I'll have people stand beside me and I'm like, yo, just subscribe to it for me. And they're like, no, 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 I don't have a YouTube account. And I'm like, do you have a Gmail? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you're, that's literally your YouTube account, dude. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, right. And people s- still will like not do it or like just whatever. So anyways, the most uphill battle and the hardest part of the algorithm for YouTube and how to become noticed is subscribers. But it has to be active subscribers so like there's a few dudes i don't even know who this guy is but nine inch colas shout out to you thanks for watching all my videos good job nine inch colas thanks for commenting on them every time you comment on them it prioritizes me in the algorithm interesting yeah my subscribers if my subscribers are watching this is what the the back internet says if my subscribers are watching and commenting then it's more likely to prioritize me in the actual feed interesting interesting very interesting yeah who knows if that's real or not but and what kind of gear are you using when you film your YouTube? Is it a polished or is it more like vlogging style? Like how, how what's your strategy around that? Everything is junk. Like this is what I tell everybody. If you have any excuse to not do it, then you, then they're, they're literally just excuses. Mm-hmm. This, the camera I use, that's the camera I use for absolutely everything. Yeah. Uh, it's a Canon EOS Rebel SL1. My girl got that in like 2012, 2011. Like it's like an eight or nine year old camera shoots in 1080p yeah i went and bought uh the fastest writing memory card i could 
with the money I had. I had like a hundred dollars. I got like mm-hmm. a sixty-four gig card. That's how it's done, baby. Um, the microphone is. I was looking between the Rode microphone and this Tackstar one, and it was basically a difference of like a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. This one's sixty bucks. The yeah, other one's Rode is Rode's up there. This one is apparently great, and the only problem was that it didn't have as much bass to it as the Rode. So I was like, oh, I'm an audio engineer. I can turn up the bass really uh so yeah so i use the cheapest freaking thing and it's like it's jimmy rigged on there like i got it taped onto that mic stand um the lights the lights are the most expensive part behind the camera and there's the one box light that is 65 dollars there's the led with the soft box on it altogether that's with the cord to plug in that's like 50 bucks and, and can I just add this? The yep. reason why is because when I walked in here, I was not definitely not jealous. But when I was in here, I was like, yes, this guy's doing it. Because the same thing, you know, we understand we have to build content. But at the same time, we understand, hey, just like you and I, when we first walked in, we we're like, the iPhone can do anything. Yep. And we understand that, listen, this, this beautiful high-end content, it's not the end-all, be-all now. It's yeah. really just, it's, it's, the, it's the quality of the content, right? And it's the volume of the content. The, the volume microphones are 50 bucks. Yeah, and I'm, it's going to sound fantastic. It, put some bass in my voice, okay? I will. I, I always put bass in both <laughs> our voices, actually. If there's a pro tip for anybody that's listening to this, it's like, shit, I want to do a podcast. One of the EQ and mastering things that I do is I'll add mids and lows to both of our voices, and then I'll put a compressor on to both of our voices, and then I'll put a master compressor so that it's loud like a dance music song all the things i learned from producing dance music awesome yeah you produce dance music yeah you're sitting i do this to everybody i released that album in 2014 defangs uh, defangs that was me i played i was a resident for blueprint mm-hmm. uh one of the founding members of the noctilux collective so like when you're talking about all the shows you used to promote that was that's a world i i deeply come from like it was uh what i wanted to do with my life and basically everything i do now are all of my failed lessons from music. Um, yes. If I yes. Ch- I have like 65 tracks on my computer of tunes I've wrote that I never released because I was too worried about compiling another full-length album so that I could be this big dick swinger mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. an hour and a half of music when I should have just showed people my progression and all the crap that I was making and just like given people more of an example of that I was a real person and, and my authenticity. You know, I feel I struggle with that now. Yeah, like, I feel like, I, and I struggle with that on, on all counts. Like, I feel like sometimes I don't want to show enough because I feel like I'm bragging. But at the same time, at the back of my mind, I know it's like sh- you have to show the journey, show the journey. And then some, but when I try and show the journey, I always try to. Oh, there you go. I always try to make it perfect, mm-hmm. right? As that that artist side of me, I always try to make it perfect, and it it stunts me. Yeah, you gotta just not make anything perfect. That was uh, one of the big things I used to talk about when I wrote music was the, I would write with sour keys. Like I'm a, you saw the basement. I love to jam. I love music. I love yeah, playing instruments. Yeah, you the NPC down there. Um, I would always talk to like my musician friends and I got to meet like some of the most famous touring musicians in the world. And I would always talk about sour keys in music. This, I would write off notes in music because I thought that it would attract people's attention to my mistake. And it would engage the listener. Very deep. Yeah, it worked. It's fucking, like, honestly, people would look at me like I was fucking mental. But you know what? Like, when you hear somebody screw... 
screw up or something that doesn't sound right. It sounds right in its place, but it's not perfect mm-hmm. or shiny mm-hmm. like it should mm-hmm. be in right. that moment. Right. It fucking makes you want to listen to critique it. And if you can make that next phrase the one, then that's how you connect the listener. Um, anyways, I wish I had just like talked about more of these things yeah. to people that weren't just professional musicians or people in the industry. I wish I had shared my journey from like literally playing a, on a CDJ for my first time all the way to buying. You know, I wish I could have shared my experience of financing my DJ gear for yes. my first time. Yes. And fucking being in so much debt as an 18 year old trying to pay for my DJ gear Tell and like about it. the c- dodging calls from Long and McQuaid <laughs> yep. over and over. They yep. literally, in the end, they fucking cut a deal with me. Like, I didn't even pay for absolutely everything. And, uh, you know, like it's crazy to think that that's where it started with this cra- this shitty Pioneer DJ DDJ T1 controller. My headphones almost cost. I got the HDJ 2000 headphones because I thought I needed fucking the sickest headphones right. to be the sickest DJ. Right. Those got stolen like at my album release party actually. That oh, was a real bummer. kick in the pants. I know. I shouldn't have got so drunk. Bummer. Um but now, you know, to like collecting vinyl and like restoring Tech 12s and the you know, if my whole dream was, do you know who Dog Blood is? It's Skrillex and Boys Noise. They've only played together three times. I don't know why I would even ask you. Don't know there. Dog Blood, but the other two, obviously. Yeah, so when as they play together, they're called Dog Blood. Really? Yeah, so I saw them at Coachella in 2013 for their like, second ever performance. And uh, Boys Noise was playing all vinyl, and Skrillex was playing with MIDI instruments. And I was like... Wild this is what I need to fucking do. I had gotten into DJing. I was like slowly producing music. I was making beats. And I was like, this is the most engaging performance. I might've been a little high, but this is the most engaging performance I've ever seen from a DJ. This guy's creating music, altering sound. And this guy is like traditionally hardcore DJing. Crazy. Um, so yeah, that was the system I built and it's so interesting now that I'm going to go back and final DJ this Friday. Mm-hmm. And I have all the other tools finally built. Like I finally I culminated all of the things I wanted and then got out of uh out of DJing. I used to piss. I worked for Blueprint. I used to piss. Well, I don't know if I actually pissed Mikey DeRose off. But I feel like I used Mikey. To, yeah, I'm sure you know him. You're Asian. You're yeah, from the Mikey. music scene. Yeah, How could Mikey, you not know Mikey? Mikey, Carrie Chang, all the OGs. Yeah, all the OGs. They're great guys. Without Habitat, I never would have had any of my come-ups. That's where I played my very first show. That's where I released my album. That's where I met Sarah, where I first laid eyes very on her. Very cool. Um, yeah, Habitat means a lot, and I owe a lot to those guys. Um, but I used to do these like super elaborate stage setups. Like I'd bring out all these fucking stupid... Well, not stupid, but I'd bring out all these MIDI instruments and I'd like set up all this stuff and I'd be playing it like do, nine to ten. Do you know Sandro Petrillo? No. Hmm. I don't know anybody. I'm useless. See, I didn't network myself the way that I should have. It's just because you all got the same vibes, you know, and you're all in the same interests that you all have the same like expertise, especially in that in that realm, that that house or oh, Sandro. Electronic. Yeah, I feel like I want to say yes, but it's been years since I've even been to a nightclub now because i just likewise yeah 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 well they're all in toronto but when they're in calgary they were okay. you know they were kind of in that same sphere I well i think sphere. i'm uh i think the the disconnect is that i'm a lot younger than you think i am how old are you uh <laughs> i never say it on the podcast but i'm 20 lift up lift up some I'm fingers 25 what yeah you're like the most responsible 25 year old ever i know well sarah's uh old 
older than me. Uh, a yeah. little bit, little bit. Yeah, and I and she really tunes me in. But I had a lot of, I don't know. I don't. I I've always been told I'm an old soul, and I don't. Yes, you are. I don't feel like at any point I'm 25. Like I think about how old I am, and I'm like, my my biggest advantage is that I have all the time to fuck up. You nailed it. You nailed it right there. And let's wrap this into the second biggest <laughs> key for our for younger listeners. In your 20s, take risks, fuck up, and mm-hmm. fuck up faster, and learn from them. Mm-hmm. But sorry for interrupt. Please tell me your story. That's amazing. Oh, I don't. I don't even know. I just, uh, yeah. Without Sarah, like I'd be, I'd be screwed. She, may, but it's interesting, right? With our when I met her, I was 21. She was 27. Mm-hmm. She thought I was older than her. I thought she was younger than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like multiple dates in where we actually figured out that I was like way younger. Yeah. But I, but. Our, the way our priorities kind of lined up worked out so perfect. And it's not like the expectation of marriage or a house or kids or no. anything like that. Just the, not even a professional standard either. Just like, these are the way, these, this is a, this is kind of where you should be in life and what you should want from mm-hmm. life. And uh, there was one hard conversation. I, she's going to hate this if she listens back, but she was like, she was like, you you know, you're kind of being a loser. And I was like, fuck, you're right. I am a fucking loser. Shout outs to shout outs to the good men, yeah. the good women out there. And uh and that made me want to work really fucking way harder. Absolutely. I didn't I didn't want to be a loser. And that and that was kind of the moment. And I was I was like twenty two or twenty three mm-hmm. years old. That's like the prime time to be a loser. And I just like, I just couldn't handle that statement. I was like, this is the, I love, I love this. I don't want anybody to ever think I'm a, I'm a loser. And so, you know, the fear, I talk about this sometimes. It's the fear of failure. Fear is what drives me. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest motivating factor. Um, Fear of dying tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Fear of failing. uh, Fear of not being accountable for somebody. That's why I, I tend to say a lot of things out loud that I probably shouldn't say only because i want somebody to either be like yes you were right congratulations on doing it or why the fuck would you say that if you're not actually going to do it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all part of being authentic man that, that's the only way to be be authentic speak speak your speak your speak your words man sometimes it might you. get me in trouble though i feel like i make too many promises because of it and i might take too much onto my plate but uh mario in episode two said it best he's like you need sometimes you kind of need too much on your plate to figure out where your priorities lay and- you're you damn right you're damn right and i think every high achiever and every dreamer and every person who has the wherewithal to even pursue their dreams they always end up there because you don't reach your dreams unless you push past barriers and push past your comfort zone mm-hmm. anyone who stays in our comfort zone has those excuses like mm-hmm. you said earlier anyone who doesn't push anyone who doesn't venture out into the wilderness you will never find what you seek yeah because if you stay in your sphere of comfortability you only get what's fed to you totally and what you're doing and what i think anyone that um you know anyone that 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 creates pushes mm-hmm. breaks fixes things and they're always very cognizant of i'm not perfect but i'm trying my best and i'm going whatever happens we're going to fix it from there totally and i think that that those are the characteristics of really what an entrepreneur is at the end of the day i would agree yeah the the, the will to endure on the grit smart enough yes. to know when to pivot exactly and those that's only learned that pivot 
because that's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. That's that's the key to success because you have to be able to take your idea. You have to, be able to know if it's right, if it's wrong. But that pivot only comes from experience. Yeah. Some may be able to pivot uh, uh, all willy nilly and just you know take a stab at it. Mm-hmm. But the experience really allows you to know like, hold on, don't get romanced by your idea. If I make this quick pivot here, we're we're rocking and rolling. We're good to go. Totally. And that's not to say you shouldn't uh, stay on that foot for a while because all those skills come i feel like i'm talking about the pivot so so widely now um i don't i wonder i don't know the demographic of listener but i feel like the young listener should know that you should eat shit and you should take shitty jobs yes in in shitty places and anything that interests you you should take a job in um because the reality is those skills will culminate at a point hopefully it's when you're 23 like donnie or 25 like me where you get to do your literal dream job at that moment in your life absolutely and 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 to your point about eating shit i think that's that casts such a it casts such a light like oh it's gonna be suffering you know you have to pay your dues but i think within that when you show up to eat shit it's the it's understanding your at that phase you're eating you're eating shit phase you're only eating shit because you're not worth anything to the market mm-hmm. you're fresh you're young you have no experience you have no work ethic you have no understanding of how to create anything so yes you need to eat shit because you're not worth anything to the market what you need to do is understand hard work and you need to understand how to work at a level of of excellence Totally. And that comes in minding the details mm-hmm. of really performing a high-level service to whoever's in front of you, right? When a manager tells you to do something, don't talk back, right? Yeah, Little things like if you're wrong, admit to it and move on. Totally. That's the whole eating shit phase. Oh, it's, it's, learning, it's learning how to be humble. It's learning how to be of service. It's learning how to be part of the team so you have enough experience so that you can eventually venture out on your own and create because guess what the people you hire you have to learn how to deal with them because they yep. were just like you when you were 17 exactly my my i literally ate shit i was a pl- i was a plumber's apprentice um through school i did the registered apprenticeship program and then did it when i came out of school too and uh the f- most fucked up thing was as an apprentice like i did the same work that every other first year apprentice was expected to do um, but because I was subsidized through school and got to, I got to leave school to go work, um, I, I wasn't they wouldn't I wasn't allowed to be paid as much. Mm-hmm. So I got paid fifteen bucks an hour all the way through high school, where all of my, all of my peers were making twenty two, and then progressing up. Um, but I'm but what I'm as I'm eating shit quite literally because I'm a construction plumber. I'm learning about uh, working for other people, mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. for people I absolutely hate. Uh, working with coworkers that are bullies, um, being the lowest on the totem pole. They, I got called Little Nut for two years of my life. That's all anybody referred to me as. Little Nug? Little Nut. Little Nut. <laughs> little Nut. Uh, as I learned to perfect details. Because if you don't do something right in a construction job to a measurement, it's they fucking rip it out. It's yeah. wrong. You're, you're yeah. literally costing money. And so even though I hated the position I was in, I hated the people I worked for, I hated the people that I was around, um, I understood that doing a good job was the biggest reward at the end of the day. Absolutely. As long as you do things perfect 
work absolutely to the best of your ability, then you get to go home as satisfied as you can be, which is such a fucking weird concept. That job sucked ass. And I cleaned bathrooms at the Stampede for years as well. Speaking of a bathroom. Yeah, you can go for a pee. Yeah. yeah, no worries. I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to pause it for a sec. We might have to switch you to a tincture, but this bar has been working. No, it was, uh, I did it when I was a plumber. That was actually how I left plumbing was I refused unsafe work. Yeah. Uh, and then they call, called me a pussy and told me to do it. Yeah. It was I... minus 30. We were running a new gas line at a uh, roofing materials plant. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to go 200 yards, pick up these lengths of pipe that had been sitting out in the cold, and then uh, carry them over my shoulder tie a slip knot on this piece of pipe, climb a ladder three stories, and then hoist this piece of pipe uh, up by the rope piece by piece. Uh, there's no safety rail, so when the pipe got like halfway over, I just have to grab it with one hand and kind of like throw it up Jeez. onto the roof. And uh, so I just snapped at my journeyman telling him that I wanted him to move his, move his van because mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to drop one of these pipes and it's going to go literally right through the middle of your van. Yeah. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, dude, I'm getting tired. Like, I've done like 14 of these today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 18. Like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a 135-pound <laughs> dude. Like, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. And so we got in a fight, like a yelling fight. And I felt so awkward. And he, like, pissed off, moved his truck. And so I'm doing the next length of uh, pipe. And I'm, I'm pulling this rope hand over hand. And I'm doing it really fast to, like, prove him, like, fuck you. I'm not mm -hmm. just some mm -hmm. just some kid. And uh, the rope snaps and it takes my, it like jerks my arms because it's a big piece of pipe, like I an 85 pound piece of pipe, uh, three quarter in, uh, inch pipe, 22 foot length. And this pipe literally falls from three stories up. Like it had just crescent over the top of this roof, three stories up, literally straight in the middle of where his van would have been Damn. and goes ding, ding, ding and like uh, pole vaults all the way through through this huge construction materials yard and uh this is like oh good thing you told me to move my van i'm like you motherfucker um so i woke up the next day and i came to work and i tried to climb that same ladder and mm -hmm. i literally couldn't lift my hands above my head and i was like i can't do it yeah and he's like what don't be a wimp and i'm like trying and i'm like three rungs up this ladder crying right right with this with like the most all these guys who are my journeyman in construction were like these huge burly dudes, you know, macho role model examples, sure. somebody I never wanted to be like a weak dude in front mm -hmm, of. Mm -hmm. And I'm full tears. I'm like, I can't do this. And uh, yeah, that was the moment. And I had a really badly, I had a dual rotator cuff injury, tore both my rotator cuffs. And um, I was 18 at this point, And I was like, so I went through WCB and dealt with all that bullshit. Um, and the reality of it was I probably would have been a plumber because I didn't have many aspirations in life at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized that if I got hurt in a point where I had a mortgage or I had a family or whatever, and I had to deal with the WCB again uh, in such a clear, obvious claim, and they weren't giving me my money, that like I wouldn't, this is not worth my livelihood. Yeah. So why would I ever do this for my career? And that was, that was when I was like, yeah, I'm done working with my hands. That's, 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 that's incredible. And I'd like, to, I'd like to link it to the point where you and I always say that everything's possible from the iPhone now. 
Oh, yeah. Because I think that's where you and I really understand the, the capabilities of what you can scale and what you can build, mm-hmm. right? The fact that this foam, this little piece of, you know, what is it, six-inch piece of glass can run an entire, what, what took companies 20 years ago, entire departments, entire departments. We can do distribution. We can do marketing. We can do sales. We can do our accounting. Mm-hmm. We can do payroll. We can do fulfillment. We can do our... Um, order processing that's just for the business side that's not even yeah. conclu- that's not even counting the fact that this thing can launch a satellite to the moon is more powerful than the computers that they use to send that 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 satellite to the moon like it's incredible i, I love w- that you listened to the podcast yes your yeah. phone is the biggest fucking tool on earth ever like ever ever, ever the ever. fact that we have these iphone 10s in our pockets mm-hmm try and buy a laptop five years ago that was as powerful as the phone no in chance. your pocket no chance no chance try and buy a, a digital camera right now for less yeah. than five or six hundred dollars that has the same camera as any smartphone made in the last three years really is it that yeah they're they're incredible powerful? i didn't know that yeah it's uh, it's 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 really fucking awesome wow like yeah uh it, it just it, it blows my mind when i think back of all the things i used to carry around in my backpack when i was a young skater kid with my digital camera and my cell phone and my mp3 player and now that all of that is literally unlimited in one device in my pocket with extreme processing power like i got the new iphone only because it shoots in uh 4k 60 frames per second what yeah that thing shoots in 4k 4k 60 frames that's ridiculous. Yeah. That is ridiculous. And so now you think about it and it's like, um, what was that? The Black Widow cameras, the Red Widow cameras 10 years ago. You know, if you bought a $100,000 camera a decade ago, my iPhone does the same quality. Jeez. Can you imagine that? Oh, that's a real that's, slap that's, in the that's dick. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. So I got in a huge fight. I have some buddies. Um, I go, I, well, I don't even want to say where it is because I don't want them to connect the story. Uh, but I got in a fight with a guy who is a movie producer, who has produced movies, who has written movies, uh, directed movies about the state of creating content today. Mm-hmm. And he told me there's no way that you could shoot a TV show or a movie for $100,000. Um, and I told him I could shoot it for free mm-hmm. on my iPhone today. Yeah. And I'll edit it with iMovie. 100%. And he's telling me there's no way, there's no way. And I was like, dude, you're so fucking old yeah. in your thought path Absolutely. that I can't make a blockbuster movie or mm-hmm. at least a Sundance Film Festival yeah. quality movie. My phone shoots 4K, 100%. 60 frames per second. How long ago did this conversation happen? Five months ago. Dude, Netflix, my, my boy just messaged me because they know how my, my quest is to build an entire company off, off the iPhone. Okay. And uh, there's a movie on, on Netflix. It's called like, fly the high flying birds or something like that okay it's it's about it's is that based, shot on iphone completely shot on the iphone really completely shot on the i iPhone. actually it was pretty bad movie i fell asleep in it but yeah the well the only reason is because i went in knowing it was shot on the iphone so no my interest way. level was already through the roof in 11 out of 10 i need to send that to this guy because yep. i'm yeah because yep. like here's a bit that's a big fuck you and i bet they did it on two or three iphones exactly exactly damn and the cool thing about the iphone is like you can get in some really cool angles right you can place it in different places right it's so tiny you can do complete following track shots in the tightest spaces it's interesting very long tracking shots too if you're shooting everything in iphone it almost gives you another opportunity of angle from the person holding the phone's perspective Mm -hmm. because all of the shots would be continuous in the same quality yeah 
and and you notice Ooh. it you notice it in the movie because like the blacks aren't as true as the blacks the angles are different i noticed the angles were weird and right? i noticed the coloration was weird. and it puts you off at first if you don't know what's going on you, you do kind of lose interest because you're like okay this is weird it felt like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy did you ever see that i never movie? saw that okay with most def it's uh i only actually ever watched it on psychedelics yes but it was fucking crazy but it was shot it was framed the same way uh i don't know there's just some something about the 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 way that everything was framed that just reminded me so much of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy way better book than movie really Mm, movie was so trippy it was just like the plot hole it there's too many plot holes that make sense in the book that Mm -hmm. don't make sense as you try and rush a movie you can't explain absolutely everything right 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 uh yeah fuck that movie god i'm like thinking about that I, i'm remembering a moment right now where i looked in the mirror and this was like the first time i did a whole bunch of well it wasn't a whole bunch i think i did three grams of mushrooms yes and it was like the first time i had ever really eaten mushrooms yeah and i looked in the mirror and my whole face was uh it, it looked like i had a fingerprint on my face but every line of the fingerprint was like shifting in a different direction oh that's why i love shrimp. everything is moving oh love it man i'll never forget buddy's dad coming home because this was the one kicker i didn't think they were coming home like i thought we would not be like this is the dumbass kid in me i thought we wouldn't be fucked when his parents came home or that they weren't coming home and dude's parents came home and we were like flying in the basement like just (laughs) yeah 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 mind boggled interdimensional rick and morty shit exactly and dude's dad is uh is polish so the guy has he's literally his dad comes downstairs and he's in a blanket and he hides like this and i'm like oh my god this is a terrible i have my hat sweater over my head like a babushka by the way for everybody listening and uh his dad he's like hi dad and he's like hello (laughs) and he's like he's like how's it going he's like it's good and he's like how was the auction because they went to like a silent auction he's like well, let me tell you. And this dude gets super close up on our face, doesn't sit down. He's like, vroom, right in our face. He's like, so I buy a paintball package. I buy the paintball package for $300. The paintball package is for 12 people. 12 people plus 500 balls. Everybody gets a gun, two Pepsis, one hot dog, and a ride there, ride back, okay? It's so you have 300 balls, 12 people, two Pepsis, one hot dog. I got this for $300. Okay, so that makes it every person $18 plus a hot dog. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Um, yeah, that's basically all I remember from that night. <laughs> Psychedelics, man, it's a hell of a drug. Psychedelics over powders, any day, all day. Yeah, drug drugs are a hell of a drug. Ooh, ooh. I uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge advocate for for LSD. Uh, same mushrooms yeah yeah oh, totally psychedelics over 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 powders all day every day i've never tried dmt but um one of my guests i don't know if you listened to that episode but with adam blanchard small beats he talks about he was a he was a cocaine addict and uh he actually talks about doing dmt for a month straight and curing himself of his cocaine addiction what that's In, incredible intense because and, and ryan says because i'm very much against cocaine um it's it's just the one most socially accepted drug that's everywhere that well you come from the club culture well i come from the club culture and the and the, and the depths of the uh of the street culture and cocaine's the one that especially in the club culture it's the one that changes people's behaviors 
so and it's it's the one and i don't like it that way it's it's um it's it's very socially acceptable i don't care about it but you can just tell that there's a very fine line between people who use it recreational and then all of a sudden as chris labelle would say you're it's 5 a.m in a basement in Falconridge, and you're passing a plate <laughs> around to the person in front of the stranger in front of you and the only thing blocking the sunlight is a fleece gray wolf blanket <laughs> but cocaine is just the one that like changes people's behaviors it's <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it's the one where I find He's... people hide it the most. Yeah, it's a real close. Like they always thing. hide that they're doing it, and once they start doing that, is like that's the first like flag, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one hides they're doing acid. No one hides that they're blazing or or popping shrooms. It's like a celebration. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't Not know. I guess that's where addiction comes in because I definitely have mm. met people that'll do LSD in silent, or um, whatever it may be. Here, let's move some of those in the middle. Anywhere, it's all good. It's a mess in here most of the time. There's usually beer cans everywhere. We're turning this into a pub crawl up here. I love it. No, because usually I feel like people never drink enough on beers with buds, and I always want to. Pussies, you come to this podcast, you drink. Yeah, we had another good Asian guy on, Chris Kong. Really? Yeah, Chris Kong sounds Vietnamese. He's a uh, yeah, Kong Kong Hai Lam. He is Vietnamese. He's probably a Chinese that went to Vietnam and that whole thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Great guy. You guys should meet. Hell yeah. You'll really like him and his hustle. He's a tattoo artist. He's my tattoo artist apprentice. Um, Don't remember what I was going to say at all. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like, I feel he came on. He's like, I feel like you guys aren't drinking and you aren't smoking enough. He's like, I want to be dabbing every few minutes and I want to keep hearing the beers cracking. And I'm like, damn, son. Yeah. He's shout out Chris Kong. Chris Kong is intense. Speaking was that drink you mixed me in the beginning? That was just the most perfect buzz ever. Oh, I'm glad. That was beautiful. I was nice and warm. I was just like in it instantly. I loved it, man. That 10 was, milligrams that was of THC. Was that what it was? Yeah. The straw, I did a strawberry old fashioned. So yeah. I was just, uh, it was four dashes of orange bitters. It okay. was two dashes of Angostura bitters. Um, and then it was one ounce of strawberry simple syrup. Um, inf- that, that's what they had the infusion in it? that's what i had infused yeah. oh i infused the bitters too my bad um the, the it was orange perfect, bitters man and then um yeah just two ounces of rye s- stirred on ice it was super smooth it was one of the smoothest old fashions i've ever had i'm glad and like there's there's you know there's always that signature dish that you always gauge a restaurant on like you go to vietnamese restaurant your pho has got to be on point yeah if i go to an italian restaurant okay show me your, i always test them on their lasagna okay and for, and for uh, and for a bar or a mixologist i always test them on their old-fashioned oh damn and, so good thing and my friend you nailed it and you said bartender stress i'm standing there i was like <laughs> I, I love negronis that's why i asked you i was like oh do you like negronis because mm-hmm. that's my favorite drink especially a white negroni is my absolute really? favorite drink yeah um, what's a white negroni i'll make one for you after it's okay, basically done. the same but with white vermouth and um white bitter bianco which is just a white apertivo a little bit more citrus uh, a little bit sweeter um but then i was like uh, i was like you know what i'm feeling i'm feeling some rye and so i'm really happy that i made made an old-fashioned because that was definitely not a i just did a video called my new old-fashioned really which was not at all like this but i feel like the strawberry one was a awesome it was a hit i'm glad you like it, it I, I also like because it wasn't too sweet mm-hmm. it was super smooth easy drinking and and the thc just made it all nice and warm and ooh, it was perfect i'm trying to put together perfect. a culmination of signature drinks i um please do i was in, please do i was inspired by this dude warren bobro who wrote this book bobro cannabis mixologists and c- cannabis elixirs and cocktails something 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 anyways good dude um 
but I really want to write my cannabis cocktail book. Like I'm doing tons of different recipes. I know that, uh, like how many hundreds of cocktail books are, how many food recipe books are there, but there, he has the literal only cannabis cocktail. Okay. I, I I know what we can do here. You know, a publisher or what? No, not a publisher. I know how we can, we can combine our forces and, and build them, the, the, the Megazord, the CBD, (laughs) the CBD Megazord is, um, it's, I think the secrets in the cocktails. It is, yeah. The secrets in the cocktails. The food is what? What? I want to champion cannabis cocktails and and zero proof cocktails. What do you mean? I want to be the guy that like pushes it everywhere. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you said you won the championship no, for. I, I was want... like, I'm not surprised, but please tell me. No, we'll create the championship. We'll be the judges instead. We we should do more events just around the the booze itself and the mm-hmm. mocktails and cocktails because that's something that's it's not as heavy with. Um, the food and the the, the outside talent mm-hmm. which really eats up a lot of the costs yeah. and where we can bring in a lot of audience mm-hmm. for a lower price tag or a you know a substantial price tag but really we can work something out there yeah for 60 to 75 bucks a cocktail classes yes i did yes. i tried to do one cocktail party actually for proof of concept because kind of i don't know if you we've only known each other for four days mm-hmm. but i kind of try and do everything I get an idea and I'll just try and do it. Absolutely. And, and so I wanted to do the cannabis cocktail party. Yeah. And um, of all the parties I've tried to do, that was the biggest flop. Flop? Uh, yeah. I was amazed. I had created five cocktails that were cannabis cocktails. I did a video of it that was really cool. And the people that showed up were awesome. And I really appreciate it. But I had had like a bunch of confirmed reservations and then it came to the night and and nobody came and i was like i was like i was pretty heartbroken because i had put a lot of effort into creating and prepping yeah absolutely all the cocktails and um it's so hard in our market like i think it's so funny that you move from toronto to calgary Mm -hmm. to create a cbd company because probably what you're what you're doing right now in toronto would be making you 10x what it's doing here because mm-hmm. calgary is like just not what in my experience so far is just not accepting of the cannabis culture to the extent that i thought it would be when i talk about doing things in toronto or vancouver it's like 50 to 100 people absolutely and i talk about things here and it's like i'm i'm lucky i'm like i'm gonna try and get 16 well you know what two things to that a obviously we, we all know like let Alberta, me interrupt though the lotion is fucking awesome my, is it good you feel honestly good? it felt good like three minutes after yeah. i just wanted to make sure i said it but i'm no. glad you said that because i always tell everyone within three minutes you'll have full range of motion and the pain will be gone yeah it's way better confirmed from my friend here andy yeah way better I Tradition, will use this. Traditionally, um, and that's why like you don't really need that the, the, and and to go from our very first point in minute three the tink uh, the topical spot treat it'll do amazing tincture is for the heavy 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 lifting oh yeah let's hit some cbd yeah shake it up it's probably the first tincture with omega threes shake it up why do you suggest shaking it just keeps it you know just to ensure that the uh that, is it just cbd isolate in here cbd isolate i, I brought also, some cbd isolate that i pertained a long time ago for you to look at and you can tell me you. if you can see the quality or anything i wouldn't say the company that it's associated sure, with just do a gummy like the old school days well, you could probably tell by the color, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And that was one of the ideas when I first saw it was that there was kind of some inconsistencies in the color. Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, we. What, I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna say what I do or don't know about these guys. I'm not that that well versed. Yeah. I will say the tincture you're taking is fortified with uh, uh, lemonine. Oh, it tastes good. Alpha pinene. 
Uh, it's, it's a lemon flavor. There's omega-3, so natural fish oils in there as well. We did that specifically because of the great effects of omega-3s in the body and how those fatty acids carry cannabinoids. Does omega-3 taste like anything? It tastes like fish. Yeah, because you know what? Like, it, Not that it's an unpleasurable taste, mm-hmm. but here's what it tastes like. It tastes like jello after dim sum. <laughs> <laughs> i love it like honest to god that's what it tastes like <laughs> yeah 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 that's cool yeah we really we, we swung for the fences in that one we really wanted to go out and actually that was um i'm a hit i'm a hit uh 200 mils of this hit it but put it under your tongue keep it on your tongue that's how you get the effectiveness yeah yeah here's one of the oh, this is so bad I, i'm scared of the tastes i love to taste things but i'm mm-hmm. so scared of taste it's because you're such a you're you're so fine-tuned to taste mm-hmm. like you be a mixologist and a, and a and the cannabis psalm himself like you're very attuned to taste right not surprised 250 okay I'll rave it on my tongue for a bit. Oh, brother, that's how wrong. I just like uh, ninety seconds is what we say for 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 minimal for for effect okay. is under the tongue ninety seconds. I'll just talk right through this. Mm-hmm. And so what we did with that is we really swung for the fences. Um, just we're we want to break barriers we want to be the first and we want to be pioneers and if you're a pioneer get ready to have your face in the mud and arrows in your back and that's totally fine because <laughs> we understand that to 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 create a movement we have to be daring and even our logo like a lot of people looked at our logo at first and they're like don't do that that breaks every design rule um all the artifacts are out of place it just looks weird nobody gets it but then when they finally understand the symbolism be, be behind it and what's hidden in the messaging they're like okay totally get it Wash you know i don't think the taste beer. is bad to be honest at all um it's just surprising we'll have some we'll also have some new tinctures because uh we have we're about to actually get ready for the states here so that's where all our performance products will start coming in and we'll have free range of tinctures sure it tastes like a health product (laughs) like it tastes like it tastes like i did something healthy for my body oh yeah you wait you're gonna feel you're gonna feel great i'm gonna feel good hey you're gonna feel real great let me ask you this yeah 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 because I love how we're on the same vein. I also love how we're on the same journey, how we're on parallel journeys. But one of the most interesting things you said earlier was how you learned everything from from the struggle mm-hmm. and your inspiration is the fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've only known each other for four days, mm-hmm. but I, f- I get the vibe, my friend. I think <laughs> game recognizes game and you got yourself a green jacket if we're... <laughs> I love it. So to say. So let me ask you this. Like, what did you learn? What are the big lessons you took from the construction, from eating shit mm. to apply to it now? Because at where you are now, you're not at the startup phase anymore. I think you have a great proof of concept. You are really pushing boundaries. Even just the event we saw last Friday, the uh, the networking event, mm-hmm. you brought out a lot of players. Thanks. I was, I was so surprised. You, br- awesome. you brought out the players and knowing that everyone came to see you which is very interesting right even by the time you and i were talking that one lady came in from um sweet tree Mm -hmm. and they just beelined it like laser beamed robotic dog laser beamed and then they barked and they barked they shoot bees (laughs) came right at you and i thought that was incredible and then i learned it was the second week so so let me ask you what are you doing (laughs) everything what are you doing and and because you're doing a damn good job thanks man that's really nice i uh i feel like i'm doing such (laughs) a I uh, I don't know. Every I, entrepreneur thinks that, but yeah. what are you doing? Um, yeah. From 
the things I learned from my million jobs, I've been fired from like, I think 12 jobs, mm-hmm. um, is that I'm no good for, at working for other people and that my idea always seems to be better than somebody else's. Damn right. But for some reason, nobody ever wants to execute on my idea. <laughs> and so now in this experience, it's cool because I just literally just, I come up with an idea and I try it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then I'm going to try it like three or four more times. And if none of those are a success, uh, just just ditch it. So it's really, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's so cool to see that the cannabis industry networking thing worked. Mm-hmm. I just, I realized, like I was saying, that it was so hard to find the customers for what I was doing between you and me, well, for the podcast now, I thought it was so hard to find the customer. Mm-hmm. I knew that my audience of my 2000 Instagram followers who were engaged, a thousand of them are in Calgary. And I thought those would be a thousand customers that would be consistent for my business, but they weren't no. at all. They're, they're, they're not there to support the business past the free content, which is totally cool. I'm going to give free content until the day I die. Hell yeah. Um, but I thought that creating a space where cannabis industry could culminate would give me the opportunity to maybe find somebody who was a customer or had the correct customers. Because like it's cannabis industry networking, right? Beyond anything else, I'd love to meet friends, but I'm really trying to expand the business. And um, yeah, and then you fell into my lap and you're like the best person ever. And uh, it's, 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 it's amazing. And I can't wait to see where everything goes. Shout out to OT Brewing for, you know, supporting me and my crazy ideas. And we're going to, we're working on a bunch of things and they're, you know, they're, they're great partners. Like I hope, who knows? That was the second week. There's 25 people. That's like crazy. Six months from now, when it gets nice out, hell yeah. I, I can only hope that that place is absolutely packed because when I first started going there, um, they, there was nobody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they, well, it was, it was almost minus 45 that night. Well, yeah, but even the brewery itself, like the first time I went to the brewery, there just wasn't like, they make great beer mm-hmm. and there was nobody there. Right. And one of the weird parts about the cannabis industry right now is that, um, there's nowhere to consume cannabis and there's nowhere to culminate over cannabis. So we're, you know, past a coffee meeting, you want to go for beers mm-hmm. and, and, and beers are that social lubricant, but it's also an atmosphere where if you're a cannabis consumer, you will feel more comfortable walking outside and uh, indulging in your intoxicant totally, of choice. Totally. And so that was another reason why I put it at the at the brewery full intention of knowing that a lot of people are just going to go there to drink water, but a lot of people feel much more comfortable consuming, um, alcohol. Absolutely. I, I think that's where our friend, Steve, Steve, the, the social CEO has really been a pioneer and just really just took the whole mission on his, on his strapped it on his rocket pack and just blasted it right out right with the hot box and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. that guy, shout out to that guy, man. Shout Us out. three need to get together on a show. I've been trying to, to spit do, some fire. It's funny. Cause, uh, the night we met, I was actually supposed to go and do a podcast with Steve in the hot box, in the hot box. You gotta get in there. And man. we had, we had scheduled it. And I was like, that's oh. a wild podcast. Let me tell you. It's like Steve, buddy. I'm, I'm sorry. I started this cannabis industry networking. And the reality is from 630 until nine, every single Friday, yeah. I'll be at OT Brewing in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So if anybody wants to find me, um, that's, that's where I'll be. But yeah, we should definitely, 
I've never been on his podcast, but that's I hope, crazy. Does he videotape it? Because that's he like videotapes a, it as well. Let me tell you, I you'll walk in there, you'll walk in there, the man you are, and you'll crawl out of there cross-eyed. Oh, it is it is intense, it. man. I think we dusted off like half a bottle of Cavarcier when we we're in there. Okay, and, is there am every smoking cans and too? and just join after join after join. And like I told you when we first started, like I'm not. I'm not a good cannabis smoker right. socially. I'm great for, <laughs> hey, you want to watch Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse That's and blast a, 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 an OG Death Bubba God Kush joint, blunt? I'm your guy. No problem. But if you want to do something social like this, I'm the worst. I think my new goal now is to uh, make them tap. I'm going to come in that hot box and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck them up. You 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 need to be in there. I'm gonna. You need yeah. to be in there. I'm coming. I'm coming at him. Fist flying. I'm gonna. Here's. I'm okay. This is one you can hold me accountable to. I'm gonna roll at least a half ounce into backwoods. We're gonna smoke at least the half ounce on the podcast. If not a three quarter ounce, I might even aim to smoke a full ounce on the podcast. Wow. Wow. That's wow. that. And wow. As far as liquor, I don't even care. They're bringing the they're bringing the booze. They'll have something in there. Oh yeah. Maybe I should I should I'm gonna actually I'm gonna pre batch Negronis. I'm gonna make a bottle of Negronis, and then that's it. All they have to do is bring ice. Just spigot them out. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the cool progressions in Alberta bars, and something you're gonna see this summer is uh, batched cocktails are allowed now, and you're allowed to infuse alcohol after it's bought. Yeah, so everybody's gonna start having Negroni taps and. Uh, I was the Luxardo. That was the job I left. I was the West, Western Canadian Luxardo ambassador, which is, uh, you know, Apertivo. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the big thing I was, I was championing was like, you got to pre-batch Negronis. Everybody wants a goddamn Negroni on tap. Holy like, hook shit. it up. Sorry, I'm faux pawing all over Fuck, the place, you don't too. don't say. It's because my computer rings. My phone doesn't actually ring. I just... Uh, I Good ring. thing I don't care. Yeah, I know. Well, it makes it it makes it authentic. That's what the that's what exactly. the podcast is all about. Exactly. Um, so you are the cannabis som, and we're, we, you are crushing the cocktails. You have this amazing networking event here. Okay. All of a sudden, last Friday, I, I walk into this, and we meet you. You're absolutely crushing it. So what's what's the big picture? And, um. And how can I help you? Man, I love that you're here. That's awesome. Nobody ever asked me questions on the podcast. I wish people would ask me more. You're just questions. so damn interesting. Um what's next i don't know so there's kind of three pillars what you came to was a was an event and so we have a it's the avesta group of companies avesta is a mountain range in the hindu kush mountains and it's also a word that was referenced in every uh holy text is is it correct like that's where kush came from uh it's just one it's just one of them yeah where kush came from okay but one one of the mountains that kush would grow on in the hindu kush mountains um so the avesta group of companies really is pillared in events um content and content creation which is a media company and then third is where we will work together is distribution um so i got into alcohol so that i could learn alcohol distribution i became a canadian wine scholar so i could learn prohibition and how prohibition ended and how alcohol law progressed uh at the end of prohibition um so you know like i've had full intent to incorporate uh, a cannabis distribution agency and that's um well i guess now everybody gets to find out about it like there will be a, 
a vested distribution and that's kind of the the next corner so all three of these pillars rely on each other the media feeds the distribution feeds the events feeds the media feeds the media feeds the events for this distribution so everything kind of just relies on each other to make each other work okay let's let's from that let's get into what we're doing this this weekend can we talk about that yeah of course okay can we pause can i run out here real quick yeah you need pee. I, I, have, I have the bladder of a jelly bean yeah no worries but i think this is perfect because now we're going to get into you're ready you remember exactly you remember what you're going to say and i'm going to pause it to wrapping in what we what we have together here so this is the perfect example of when opportunistic entrepreneurs come together mash together instantly know like hey we can fuck shit up and so to 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 really take our entire audience from four nights ago into the room that we're in right now my man right here is just loading up a dab that's how you know this is the most serious podcast is <laughs> is is somehow you and i as entrepreneurs have the exact perfect setup to come together and throw a very very magnificent event that's coming up i believe this friday saturday this friday saturday. And DJing at yeah, the yeah, cannabis sommelier it's a cannabis sommelier and so what's extremely interesting is that this Saturday, you have actually been able to organize a very high-level event that I think anyone of any interest, whether you're just there for networking because you're a professional, whether you just really enjoy a great dinner, or whether you truly enjoy the, the, the art of the cannabis, or maybe you just enjoy having great, nice dinners in beautifully crafted and designed uh, Airbnbs. Is <laughs> <laughs> this Saturday? So that's how you and I really, really, really clicked. Yeah, we got to that- allude to it more. I've been looking for Donnie. Basically, I've been uh, talking. I've created so many great partners all over the world. And I've been like, hey, do you know a guy that owns Airbnbs? uh do you know a guy that's a property manager do you know do you know this guy and then uh and then there you were and i'm like you're like where do you throw your dinners i was like well mainly airbnbs you're like yeah well i got some airbnbs (laughs) (laughs) fuck yes thank god i got airbnbs i got tons of people looking for this type of event and i have the cbd boom yeah so now we have non-psychoactive dinners that are focused in cannabis education and all about normalizing cannabis consumption and that's kind of the big thing. I'll, I'll, uh, I, I, I curate top-level chefs from across North America, celebrity chefs. Um, pe- you know, when I say celebrity chefs, like people that have been on TV or people that are cooking for celebrities or people that work in the most upper echelons restaurants in the world uh, coming into private residences and, and cooking with cannabis for like 10 to 20 people. And it's, it's crazy to think that uh, these chefs want to work with me <laughs> and now we have beautiful places to do it uh and and not be uh feeling so awkward about uh vaporizing inside somebody else's property because that was one of the things not that i felt bad because it's not in the rules that says i can't vaporize and mm-hmm. cannabis is legal so if i'm vaporizing essential oils i basically thought like it's just if i brought my sage diffuser it's basically the same thing as me doing that in your house but i did still feel apparent guilt i'm excited that that is absolved of me now <laughs> and i'm happy to oblige it's uh, no it'll, it'll it'll be great so this saturday it'll be it'll be awesome but you know thank god i i found you because it, it's interesting again with these top caliber chefs um 
the actual sale of the ticket. AGLC, if you're listening, I don't sell any tickets. Membership is completely free. Absolutely. Um, but getting people to the dinner is 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 super hard. It seems, and it's like, you know, uh, a chef's table in Calgary with a wine pairing, you're going to pay a hundred twenty to a hundred and eighty dollars. Absolutely. Bang on. Dinner's 150 on. with Chef Pierre Lamiel from Top Chef Canada. Won his episode of Chopped on Food Network. Like, he's a cool... He won his episode of Chopped. Yeah, he's a cool TV celebrity chef. That's crazy. Right? Like That's crazy. You know, like, and, and so to me, it's like, the fact that at this point, um, a few days before the dinner, I'm like still thinking about where my customers are going to come from, mm-hmm. blows my mind. Because when I think about markets like uh chicago los angeles san diego san francisco denver none of these ideas ever come to mind vancouver toronto like those epicenters and what's crazy to me is those cities are only double the population so why on a double the population city am i thinking about four to six times the size of an event Mm -hmm. don't worry my friend we're gonna fill this up yeah we'll change the game well i think once edibles laws come into play um, once things become a little bit clearer, because that's one of the big things is nobody knows what you're, you are and are not allowed to do. Right. And I feel like that's still stigmatizing the events that I'm trying to throw and it's not bringing the demographics that I imagine would be there. Yeah. You know, like for me, this event is for like everybody's mom. It's for Mm -hmm. like 40 to 50 or four. I shouldn't even say that. It's for like it's for what i would hope is that people who come to my events have never consumed cannabis before interesting interesting that would be the number one that would be the most exciting event for me because when i have the heavy cannabis true education yeah the heavy cannabis consumers come in they want to consume cannabis they want to take dabs they know what's up they know what they're doing right they're just there to have a great meal uh and have wine and be in a setting where they're where they're able to consume cannabis right 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 um but I would love one of the hardest parts is like learning my duty of care. And mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things I'm most invested in is like understanding how to curate people's intoxication um, Absolutely. and how to not get people overly intoxicated. So as I can entertain cannabis consumers, it becomes harder for me to understand what um, a new person would be like. And, and not to one of the interesting things is about 25% of people at all of the dinners I've done don't consume cannabis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's one of the big things. Not that we infuse the food, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but cannabis infusion is completely optional. And, you know, one out of four people don't have infused food. See, that's very interesting because myself, I cannot consume uh, THC. Mm-hmm. I have an, a, a vicious allergic reaction. Oh, shit. Of, of some of the worst pain. Uh, no, not some. The worst pain ever. Good thing I fed you THC before you came. Well, that's honestly, when we, when we drank the cocktail, I was my spidey sense was going off. And I was like, oh, no. Could this podcast end before it starts? <laughs> yeah, it's going to fuck me. And it, and, and it actually ended up perfect. Thank but, God. But when I went to the previous cannabis uh, uh, infusion event from mm-hmm. some other uh, party, I didn't eat any of the food. I only did the the, T, the CBDs and of oh, course the other foods. Oh, because there wasn't cannabis infusion optional. There, it, it was optional. Okay. So I just didn't eat the foods that were, um, that you know, the other people that uh, that that had requested it. 
but for myself i just i just it wasn't for me so i like how you're really trying to understand the the dosing mm-hmm. um how to really and especially the education side i want to include everybody really so understand the education and that's int- i've never heard that perspective i didn't know that was the goal yeah that's incredible the end game of the cannabis sommelier is to normalize cannabis consumption through the vocabulary and vernacular of wine tasting that's like the at its core pitch that's what i do i'm just here to make cannabis consumption as normal as a glass of chardonnay wow and and i think that's at the at, at the root of everything i think that's where you and i really respect the game because we have to play by the same rules but at the same time we're playing by the same rules yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And we, we understand the dance that we have to do to play nice, but at the same time, we also understand truly what is of service to the people. Mm-hmm. And the restrictions that Canada has right now is that you cannot broadcast anything whatsoever if you are selling. Thank goodness yeah. we're not selling. So the important thing is, okay, how do we serve our audience? Mm-hmm. How do we truly bring forth this education? Um, is it just simply as like, all the retail locations, the retail cannabis, they're always going for education centers, education centers. Well, guess what? Terpenoids, flavonoids, uh, endocannabinoid systems is extremely fucking confusing to someone coming from not. Yeah. Having- check it out. I'll be teaching on YouTube. Like I've been filming the content. You can have it all for free and sit at home. Hell yeah. But to have, to really take them on the journey and take them on the experience I think you're the one person that really has the right place at the right time and has the right vehicle, the right experience to bring it forward where it encapsulates them and they're learning through all five senses. And that is where it's going to be the most powerful is where someone like you said, and and coupled that with a mission that you're saying to take someone from someone's aunt and mom who's never used cannabis to, hey, this isn't just to get high and be lazy. Mm Mm-hmm absolutely amazing i commend you my friend it's it's a great mission i hate alcohol uh this is one thing that like i'm people don't know and i say it all the time in interviews but nobody ever like seems to quote it i hate alcohol uh i never wanted to be a booze guy Mm -hmm. literally like i really did not like drinking at all Mm -hmm. i would drink to get drunk i would admit that i had a problem with alcohol at points in my life really badly mm-hmm. um, you and me both and i never saw it as like a, a curated upper echelon thing right. ever that that idea never came to my mind with um, booze yeah with booze and i like honestly i love cannabis i came from a cannabis culture my social circles were cannabis consumers and when you drank it was to like get fucked up yeah but yeah but the casualness of consuming cannabis is what brought people together like drinking in certain scenarios or smoking did with cigarettes i feel like that was a big part um i have no idea what i'm talking about anymore well let me let me let me preface this because i agree with you about why oh yeah why liquor's a piece of shit alcohol's a piece of shit and let me let me tell you this why as as we all know now like i own and ran a nightclub in my in my early 20s mm-hmm well as we know about the fun aspects there's also a very dangerous aspect of being so deep in in the uh, in, in the liquor industry and mm-hmm. is that by the time i left my gut was completely wrenched mm-hmm. from alcohol but more importantly my short-term memory was gone interesting completely shot and you can ask any of my friends at the time in my later 20s it was more of a joke like aha donnie forgets everything oh yeah he lost the key lost his phone but 
I used to lose my car. Wow. So I would go out on a Friday night, park my car wherever the heck we started a party, wake up the next day, always in my bed, at least I'm responsible that way, if, if you call it responsible, could not for the life of me find my Where car. Where the fuck's my car? And it wasn't until I watched the movie Memento. Have you watched that? I want to say yes, but I'm going to say no. In 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 a, in, a, in a quick cap, uh, Memento is about a story about a the protagonist who tattoos clues all over his body because he has no memory okay. about the murder of his girlfriend. Okay. The antagonist is actually seeped his way into the protagonist's life, pretending to be his best friend to try to hide him from this murder. Okay. There's this one scene early in the movie where they're both riding in the car together, and the antagonist goes, or the protagonist rather goes, "I'm not." I can't remember. And the antagonist looks at him and goes, are you drinking lots? Because, you know, drinking is the number one cause of short-term memory loss. I sat up in my bed right away <laughs> and I pointed at the TV and I went, holy fuck. I don't have a bad memory. The drinking has fried my memory. It's fried my brain. So when I left Calgary mm-hmm. to move to Toronto, one of the big things, I, I used to, I laid in bed at nighttime. I used to go, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. Please let my memory back. Please let my memory back. Because I learned about neuroplasticity, how your brain can regenerate yes. itself and can keep CBD learning. is very good for that. Exactly. And so when I left, that was my main goal. I retrained my memory. I retrained my brain. I got off the booze. And thank God I was young enough to recover from that. But that's for you youngsters out there who don't who think boozing is all fun and games. It wreaks absolute havoc on the body. Yeah, it'll mess absolute you havoc. Up. And the and the and the UK, uh, the, um, I forget what they're called, but the Health Canada of the UK, they just came out with a study that they have a strong link, a definitive link between high alcohol use and cancer. It doesn't surprise me. It's, it's like it's like pickling your body. I remember where I was going, by the way. It was. Uh, I think alcohol is terrible. I never ended up... I wanted to be an alcohol guy. I watched a documentary called Psalm where I watched these guys blind taste wine. Yes. I watched the first three minutes and I was like, holy shit. I did this in dispensary. I've been buying cannabis for years. Wholesale, buying, selling. This is what I've been doing, but I don't have this vocabulary and I don't have this accreditation. And I literally booked a wine class for four days later. And that's the only reason I got into wine. It's the only reason I'm I'm a booze guy. I, I sat down in that class and I sat beside these great guys, Nate and Dylan. Uh, Nate's been in Amsterdam bartending. He's like a w- worldwide award-winning bartender. Very cool. Dylan's still here. Um, and it just like, something clicked. Like the wine t- literally tasted different when the instructor poured it for me. I remember them opening the, the, the discussion up with what other agricultural product has 1,500 different varietals that are indicative of exactly where they were grown. And I put up my hand and I said, cannabis. And everybody in the class laughed at me. And that was the moment I knew I was going to be the cannabis sommelier. I was like, like, this is it. And that was, was that the birth of the name? Uh, No, I don't even, the birth of the name was like, shit, I don't even remember. We talked, I probably talked about it so much. I literally started taking this class. I was like, cannabis and wine are the same thing. And then I started tasting wine. I started drinking wine and I was smoking so much cannabis. And I was like, holy shit. This is really, really, really good together. Uh, I should probably fucking record this. And then it was just, it was just this like aha moment where I was like, okay, I have to be the cannabis sommelier. And I asked Sarah. There was so many moments where I was like, I was like, what should the name be? Like, should it be cannabis sommelier? Or should it be the cannabis sommelier? Yeah, yeah. We went over this so much. Should it be the <laughs> cannabis som? Yeah. Should I have cannabis in my name? Because there is a 
like my counterpart is a female in the united states and her name is jamie evans the herb psalm hmm. and the herb psalm gives her great advantage because she doesn't have cannabis in her name if my name was the herb psalm i would have figured out so many more marketing avenues but i'm blocked by advertising laws because my name literally has cannabis yeah. in it yeah but it also defined me absolutely as 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 the that's what i'm good at and i want everybody to remember like i don't even again i don't even know who listens to this but i know quite a few people are actually listening uh i'm a cannabis guy first i love cannabis i know cannabis i've been collecting cannabis data for you know i started smoking cannabis when i was 12 years old it's been 13 years of my life where i consistently actually thought about absolutely every different little thing that i was consuming and tried to create that into data that would now give me the career that i wanted i've been getting instagram messages this guy was telling me that like uh what i'm i'm writing tasting notes for a whole bunch of people Mm -hmm. um like wine and i have people now in my dms being like no you're full of shit like why are you saying this it's not that easy like how can you just make this up and i'm like dude i'm not fucking making it up like i literally only paid thousands of dollars to go to university so i could have a piece of paper that proves that i proved my palate it wasn't for wine it was for everything so do you do you have the sommelier i'm not a sommelier because i know that is one of the most well here's the the craziest distinctions you could possibly get what i wanted to be was a master of wine i wanted to be canada's youngest master of wine and so there's two different and that of itself is is a major undertaking yeah it's uh so a master there's master of wine is one avenue and master of sommelier is is the other avenue um master of wine is a written examination where you're you're never speaking and you never see the service floor but it's a much more technical scientific um undertaking the way that you have the only way you can become an mw a master of wine candidate is by going through the w set wine and spirit education trust program and that's the program that i started in and that i got to an international accreditation in w set three um you're the man not really it's it's a joke uh Lots of people know just as much as me that have never set foot in a classroom. Anyway, way more than me because they've tasted way more wines. All I know is from books, the people that I get to taste wine with have taught me so much more than uh, textbooks or anything yeah. because they they teach self-awareness. And that's and that's the most important part about understanding wine in your palate. Um, but no, I'm not a sommelier because a sommelier by definition curates a wine program uh well a sommelier by definition is a wine steward um but what what it's understood now is as somebody who works in a restaurant who's curating the wine program who um works the service floor and is presenting the wine i was a wine consultant for the last three years um and, and a sommelier should be a master of wine spirit cigar sake but wine is the most important and service yeah it's it's everything to entail fine dining in a restaurant and so this is why i'm the 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 cannabis sommelier yeah yeah because service is extremely important to me and so i had the opportunity for the last three years to curate wine programs for restaurants i got to be a wine consultant and help with that i was in restaurants five days a week eight hours a day um talking to the people running these programs and advising them on what my opinion was I come from a bar background. I worked in bars. I've I've been a server, and I saw a disconnect 
of where I wanted to find much better service than what other people were presenting and is what I think made me a good at my job. Um, as everything culminated and I started being able to present my own parties, it's like, how, how, I guess I am a sommelier in the idea that I curate my wine list for my pop-up events. I'm the master of service um, and that's all on me. So, yeah, I guess I guess now I've kind of corrected it. Um, I'm not. I don't have an ISG. I don't have an international sommelier guild status or um, a, a certified master sommelier status. Even though I've thought about getting it, past employers have said they'd pay for it. But it's a very expensive undertaking. One part about wine is that it's extremely expensive to become accredited. Um, you don't know what a bottle of Cristal tastes like until you taste it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What it, what does 86 Ruinhart taste like unless you've tasted it? And I've been very, very fortunate to drink some of the most amazing fucking wines in the world, but that's only because of the network that came with wine. But the network that came with wine was incredible. Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. So safe to say that this, this, this next infusion event coming up, we have this top chef mm-hmm. from Chopped. We have you yourself, who who's clearly demonstrated that you are at least have the chops and can <laughs> fight, be in the ring with um with the with the other masters of wine. Oh yeah, uh, oh that's where we're going. The sommelier thing. Mm-hmm. I might not be a sommelier by definition, but I hang my hat with all my sommelier homies, and they fucking give me props and i have all the street cred that i need i'm the the, the wine psalm street cred it's, it's a vicious one up there that's the bougiest fucking street cred you've ever been a part of let me tell you that is the yeah it's it's the only one where you get blasted in, in a bart man pretentious world wine is let me tell you so so this is why because when you first when i when you first told me about the event I didn't know what to expect. I just know that, hey, listen, I like your vibe. Let's rock and roll. And then I find that, listen, there's going to be this, this, this chef there. Some of the country's best. You, you one chop, he's on top chef. And now I finally unfold another piece of the onion where I understand that, man, the wines that are being paired are not just because I'm coming from a complete nobody in wine. I don't understand anything about okay, wine. Yeah. But to truly understand how well these are being paired, the experience that you're trying to evoke this can be one hell of an event. I fucking care way too much. <laughs> like, and now, now, now bootleg me in through the back door and we're going to find some really cool gas and we're going to have some really cool, really cool locations in there. I love it. Yeah. Ter- it's, I'm stoked. Terpenes and flavonoids in wine and cannabis are the same thing. When you think about it on a macro level, the glandular head of, uh, of cannabis, the trichome, trichome is exactly the same as a grape. When you press it into rosin, it is literally exactly the same as creating wine. The only reason why I can picture this is because Eric Nugshots always puts out the craziest yeah. pictures of trichomes. Yeah, exactly. So think about really? knocking all those trichomes off. It's just like taking a bundle of grapes. And when you can understand that on that macro level and then broaden it to why this wine pairs so well with this cannabis because it's just like blending Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. There's a reason why Bordeaux wines are some of the greatest wines in the world and why they only grow three grapes, Cab Sav, Merlot, and Pinot Meunier because that little bit of Pinot Meunier is that special moment. Really? Yeah. 
right? Like Cab Sav, Merlot, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's that 1% of something else. And that's what makes it so, so special. And that's that's apparent around the world when we look at uh, bottling laws. Like California, for example, is so crazy that you only have to have 80%, 85, 80%, 85% of the um, stated wine that's on the label in the bottle of wine. Yeah. What? Ex- yeah. So you can have a Pinot Noir, California, Pinot Noir, any subregion, um, but it can have 15% Gamay in it. Crazy. Yeah. That's not the same everywhere around the world. I don't even know why I went on this tangent again. This I can't. I can't years. wait to meet my, bu- my my buddy Milan. You two, like, when when you flavor nerds get together, it's it's gonna be something special. Oh, I love it. I love. I just love flavors. People are like, why do you know what this tastes like? It's because yeah, I put it in my mouth. Oh yeah, you guys know. Okay, so in the beginning of this day, we you and I brought up a couple of bags of strings up here. Okay. Oh yeah, let's smoke some weed. Yeah, so packs me, warm me up, put me on the lowest level. Mm-hmm. But which one? We need a grinder too. We have a violator Kush, double black. These are from Chris Kong. New York Diesel, it's obviously a sativa, blackberry Kush. I love how you say it like obvious. I don't know if it's obvious. I bet it's probably not even New York Diesel or anything close to so it. Just some some wild hybrid. Oh, generations this is, in. This grinder, I don't want to use. There's the grinder I want to use. I'm, I save these plastic grinders so I can take them on planes with me and then just leave them in where people in the United and States leave don't. Leave them where they land. People in the United States don't grind their weed. What do you mean? They bust it by hand? Yeah. Or they do the old shot glass with scissors trick? Dude, they're savages. No, they just they just finger pick it. Oh, America. Hippie pick it. Well, it's good for blunts. I don't know. It's just like when you grind it too fine, it is true. I learned my lesson in California. When you grind it really fine like I like to here, you choose one. Um, um the the weed is too thick it gets too tight so you kind of need to pick it out i choose double black double black uh you need to pick it out so you can get those air pockets um to create that space so you can actually smoke because it's so humid and so moist but yeah there's my a, mind is blown there's a method to the madness that's crazy i never thought of that yeah, it was uh, the guy that actually alluded me to everything was um, Hitman Glass, Dougie, Douglas Dracup. Do you follow that guy? Do you know Hitman Glass? No. Huge company. He was the guy to open the first uh, coffee shop in Los Angeles. Really? They did a ripoff of the Starbucks cup and turned it into a heady glass rig. And the way that he didn't get sued was by literally creating his own coffee shop and being like, nah, this is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And the coffee was uh, like, I never tried it from what I heard. It wasn't very good. It was literally just like a, a, like a coffee cart in the back corner of this amazing, amazing place. Sarah, who just got home was actually, actually came there with me and it closed super recently because of like zoning and all this crazy shit. Cause it tech, I don't know if it was technically legal. Just basically how every, how every nightclub opens in Calgary. Right. With their limited menu. But it was, uh, it was Hitman Dougie who, alluded me to this whole idea we're seeing there rolling blunts which is really fucking cool one of the coolest things of this last year was that i got to meet so many of these like people that i really looked up to mm-hmm. for years so i'm sitting there with 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 dougie and we're, and we're rolling blunts and i'm grinding my weed up and we're in the coffee shop and he and he finger picks his super quick and he rolls his blunt and he's like yeah he's like he's like this one's gonna smoke it's gonna have good airflow like you know he's like i'm gonna probably smoke this by the time you finish 
And I was like, what? And he's finished like, rolling. Yeah, because I, t- I don't know. I, it's not like I take a long time, but I roll like a, I try. I, I roll perfect blunts every time. Yeah, but who finishes a blunt before someone's finished rolling? He didn't finish the blunt, but he was sure like heavy chiefing on it. Yeah. And that was the moment I realized. I was like, oh, okay. The airflow is so you can huh, blast the cannabis. And my goddamn blunt, because I wanted to show off, of course, I rolled an eighth of uh strawberry banana from uh oh the the one that costs a fortune so, oh no i had the strawberry kiwi from uh god damn it anyways it's one of the hype brands everybody will know it's in the it's in the nitrogen tin packs no not everybody will know anyways it doesn't matter is it a top leaf top leaf product is it canadian no this is a california oh, product california. this is one of like the hype ass california products like the, like the super expensive super cool exotic sure. genetic ones so i rolled the whole eighth the hermes of weed yeah exactly i messaged sherbinsky today actually because they keep calling them the hermes of weed really um and uh yeah, again, I have no fucking idea. Did I pick the right about. one there? Can can you tell me what I'm expecting from the double black? Can uh, you leafly dude, me right now? It looks fuck it. Yeah, I can. The the cannabis itself is has this man great, just smelt the weed and he's just breaking yeah, it down. It has great bag appeal, but the cannabis is like commercial cannabis. Okay. Um I don't want to start giving you prices. It's one of the things I always do behind the mic. Start giving pound prices. This is like the most classic triple a weed um as far as the name double black goes totally made up Mm -hmm. i've had this exact same cannabis so many times and you can smell and you just know oh yeah it's 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 like it's the biker cut it's this is the canadian biker cut that would have been sold to sugar bear juicy fruit this came from like an illegal dispensary right you are incredible this is like this you are incredible yeah this smells like my whole high school career holy um yeah that's just straight biker I, i'm actually watching a live cannabis sommelier experience right now <laughs> it's and you know it's it's interesting because it's um though just the way it looks it'll de- it, it would demand a higher price but i bet if we smoked it in a joint it wouldn't look very good thank god we have the packs yeah yeah we we need we need part of the white ash club yeah that's a that's a far and few between club these days well actually i got i got a good buddy out there in uh, in bc there and all he does is bring back white ash what's white interesting white ash all day because i know some of these good I've, I've been sent organic weed really that's not burning white and it's, it's bomb fire but here's the thing about organic organic is only what was in the soil wait a second right does that make sense but doesn't everything that goes in the plant go in the soil? Uh, to some extent, but the like added nutrients yeah. would be like chemically altering. But if you take a soil composition to start, it's already chemically altered soil. Like you're choosing the best chemical balanced soil for what you're trying to create. Gotcha. So it's technically not organic at all to start with. Um, yeah, like w- what is organic anymore because even if we plant in the ground the water table is affected by everybody else so no matter what or what where you're at you can't have a true organic certification uh the only way to do completely organic would be to take compost 
But again, you have to adjust levels so that your compost isn't too hot in nitrogen or else it's just going to fry every plant you have. So what is organic cannabis? You're blowing my mind, bro. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to make a trip here. You roll. Yeah, you, you roll. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to fill the packs. Yeah, you if you guys haven't seen the review on the packs, Vape, it's, uh, it's a pretty good unit. I'm going to try it again because I had some doubts with it, to be super honest with you. Um, if it's not all the way packed, I was told if it's not all the way packed and it's not super finely milled that it doesn't work too well. I did find that in my experience. Um, this guy's gave me a free grinder, so I might as well shout it out. It's the Canna Crush grinder. I definitely don't think they did anything but put their name on it from some Chinese stuff, but works well and it's metal and it was free. So thank you, Canna Crush. I appreciate you. Okay, here we go into the PAX 3 vaporizer. I really finally milled the cannabis. Um, is it sticky? Yes. Will I tightly pack it? Yes. Will it work? We shall see. This is the thing. Last time it didn't work so well. I might have overpacked it too. I don't know. So I've never used the packs. I know a lot of people come to our vape shops and they always ask about it. Your vape shops? Uh, actually, with uh, not my vape shops, but with the team I was previously working with, who I just left on January, a lot of people come in for the packs. Yeah, well, it's a pretty slick unit. I don't like the, the filling chamber because it looks really messy. Like, you have to get it into that heating oven. It's a huge... How deep is this? Uh, I don't know. It's not that deep, to be honest. Maybe half a fingernail. Also, oh, super shallow. Yeah. So that's done like instantly. Um, yeah, that that would be my big complaint. But between, I had the mighty, the craft stores and Bickles mighty downstairs. Um, that's that big, big one that you, that you showed me. It looks like a flux capacitor with yeah, a case on it. That's I like that one more. Um, that one has about the same size heating unit. So all you do is you. You press that button right there, and now it's heating up. I'm going to actually turn the app on so you can see how the app works. This is very cool. I'm going to get this. The app is definitely the coolest part of it. Yeah, see it went blue. It's already it's already connected with the, with the device, which is super cool. Um, now it's boost heating. And you like a big hit, right? I think. Or no, you like flavor. That's a flavor on low temperature. Look at this. I can select a flavor setting. And then it's just going to, it's like oh my God, vibrating this. with the device and it's setting it to the, the optimal flavor setting. This, this thing's like half sex toy, half um, sous vide machine. Yeah, exactly. And then I can change the color too. So that's pretty cool. No, for whatever it's worth. It has games, which is nice. Happy Bird? Uh, pardon me? Happy, Happy Bird? No, it has, it, uh, <laughs> it has like ones where you just spin it and basically like it's like spin the bottle for smoking weed <laughs> or... Um, Simon says, here's a little toke here. So I'm like, after I hit this, it's going to go one of two ways. Either I'm going to go just completely silent or it's just, we're going to ramp this right up. So what do you think? Like you and I, we're both cannabis entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. What do you think about people who are like trying to get in? Cause there's going to be a million niches. Both you and I could probably agree on that. Oh yeah. That, uh, different entry points. What do you think? Like, how, how do you think we could tell our future entrepreneurs? What advice do you think we can give them? Based on nice. your experience, I'll go right after you. I wrote, I wrote an article about this, actually. Uh, just the, the opportunity that there's so many outlying opportunities in cannabis. 
I think it was Mark Twain who said, in, in the gold rush, selling picks and shovels is, is what makes your money. Absolutely. Um, and that's what I do. I curate I curate education. I curate events. Um, past that, like I'm just trying to create a personal brand and a reputation for myself so that I can be the guy for cannabis. I don't want, you that. I don't really care about the revenue streams. They're just a, they're just a, a necessary reality right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the first question? What can I, what kind of advice can I give them? Oh yeah. yeah. Just find the fact that everybody thinks they need to sell weed sorry, cannabis or grow cannabis or, you know, that seems to be the short-sightedness of cannabis entrepreneurs Agreed. Agreed. is that I, I either have to be the guy buying or selling. And the reality is, is there's so much opportunity in cannabis for so many things. Like I could just ramble off hundreds of ideas right now. Yeah. But if you're not willing to grasp that, and 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 utilize the explosion that's happening then you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur and not everybody's built to be an entrepreneur i think that's my best advice is like it fucking sucks it's hard you beat yourself up like it's It's lonely it's lonely it's no fun but it's fucking so rewarding so crazy so fun but not everybody's built to be that guy and and the and the reality is is if you feel comfortable and you have a great fucking job and you're a smart guy and you have good skills um and being an entrepreneur is cool right now but you're fucking crushing it and whenever you do like I say keep crushing it. Keep that, crushing it. That's kind of... That's, Agreed, man. Keep crushing it. See your opportunity and take it. But if you're really fucking good at what you do and you feel super comfortable and happy in what you do, don't fuck that up trying to chase something that's trendy and cool. Because I absolutely. feel like entrepreneurship is way too trendy and cool. Right a- absolutely. Like how many people have you seen just trying to jump on the cannabis train? Everybody. Right? And they could, and, and, I'm, we're, and entrepreneurs are most susceptible to it too. And by the way, this pack is fucking smooth. So it only works... It works good when it's packed full like i really rammed it there really? and this is the best it's working but it's quite hot in your hand it gets hot that's gets the hot. one thing the stores uh the the craft mighty i don't even know what it's called um it does not get hot like that that is you know does it vibrate to tell me that that's a proper hit i think it's vibrating because what it does is it actually moves the temperature uh on when you're drawing on it versus when it's sitting uh. in idle it has a lot of a lot of technology going on in it. Uh, Very I don't, interesting. Yeah, I wish I knew why it was vibrating right now. Yeah, entrepreneurs, don't just don't just jump into the cannabis. Don't leave your great. Don't lose your focus off the first flow to go chase what you think is a gold rush. That is that is not what an entrepreneur is. You're just trying to get rich quick. Yeah, my homie's making rosin. Like they've been doing rosin for a long time, yeah, and now it's turning into a business years later because they've collected their data. Hell yeah, exactly. Don't don't get rich quick. Get rich for sure. Do what you know. Do what you love. And as cheesy as people say, like do what you love. No, no, no. That's what gets you through these dark times that Andy and Andy and I both have experienced several times over. Well, I I can't even say that I've experienced it that much because like I'm pretty new to the game. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just feeling the burn for the first time. Really? Yeah. Like the reality of it is is like I'm kind of at this month three moment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When when the excitement isn't fueling the rocket anymore. Shit's going crazy yeah. in the future and I'm super excited about all my opportunities. But at the current state, I'm like, fuck, how do I pay my mortgage? 
and that's a and that i think classic. that's I, classic classic for, entrepreneur right like yeah. i it's absolutely it, i've read books i see youtube videos mm-hmm. like this is this is not this is not just a me feeling nope. um nope. but but again that fear is what's driving me and what's gonna what's not gonna let me go back to working for somebody else because i'm not like i might be worried about that idea mm-hmm. next month fuck do i pay my mortgage but i just had this conversation with sarah it's like i'm not i'm not thinking about getting a job until march 28th absolutely you, you know like unless unless my life is fucked there is no way that i'm giving up no way i'm giving up no mike the fucking computer lagged this is the first time it's done this it used to do this every few the computer can't hang the, the computer, computer can't hang with 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 the game that's being spit right now yeah it can't handle the fucking truth if you can't handle the truth get out the booth that's what it did it hopped right out my friend i would like to share this because exactly where you are um like i said two years ago when i came back broke i came back broke all i knew is that i'm gonna do this on my own i'm gonna make my own path i'm gonna create my own destiny i will never put my um my destiny in someone else's hands with control mm-hmm. and so the first thing i did was i went to 10x growth con it's grant cardone's huge absolutely huge conference he throws it's mostly for entrepreneurs and salespeople. you like this guy a lot you've talked about him a few times he's incredible because i'm by trade i'm a salesperson i'm gonna check him out yeah and his his sales is extremely powerful and uh and so when he threw this conference he's the first person to ever do a conference for nine thousand entrepreneurs he he beat that this year by throwing a baseball stadium and filling with thirty five thousand, the biggest of his kind. Damn! But he has some of the most prolific speakers, and so last year he had you know huge speakers that all had their own companies and whatnot. Um, and what I actually got from it was the 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 um, the similarity between everyone's story was that all these big powerful entrepreneurs all started from nothing, from absolutely nothing. All of them. It's good to know. All, all of them did it. All of them did it because they could not. They did not want to work for somebody else. They believed in their own abilities, and not only that, they all went broke several times over to figure it out. Okay, and that's the motto. And, and that's the norm that I see from ultra successful entrepreneurs. And when I look at it, I'm like, you know what? We'll figure it out. The characteristics, yeah. how we're, or maybe what Gary Vee calls it. He says that we are genetically. He says in my DNA, entrepreneurship is in your DNA. I believe that honestly, my right? dad's the biggest failed entrepreneur. I don't want to say he's failed. He's gone up real, real high, and he's mm-hmm. gone down real, real low. So he's lived the true hardcore entrepreneurial. I just don't think he knew when to pivot in the right moment. Same um, with my pops, man. Same with my pops. And and that's okay. Uh, he had a fucking awesome idea, and if 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 there had been one or two more pivots, it would have been revolutionary. And and fair to say as well that maybe they don't have opportunity to pivot like we do because of the things like how fast we yeah. can how fast technology can support our our businesses right yeah how the, fast we can market and 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 distribute I think that grasp on that would have actually made my father's business wildly wildly successful what's this uh, he has the patent for electronic healthcare records um, so, so whoa yeah so a healthcare record that's carried on a chip uh it's incre- it's incredible technology uh that has so many utilizations without going super deep into the sales pitch mm-hmm. um it's incredible you never have to have a you know your doctor's note from the hospital goes straight to your family doctor goes straight to the pharmacy nobody ever writes a prescription anymore everybody has complete control of their health record this is kind of the most important thing for me 
past um, the insurance fraud and all the other things that it solves is that I have control of my healthcare record. I can plug my chip in and I can see every single note every single doctor has ever wrote about me and every piece of data for my life in the medical system is there. Um, if he could have shown these things, he still could. If he could show these things and create a social media buzz around it, like he's worried about funding in like finding private funding. If I was him, I would have made a GoFundMe. And it's so interesting. Like, hell yeah. Until he'll never listen to this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so interesting because if he had asked me for this advice, I would have given it to him totally tenfold. Might not have listened to me, but I would have created great media. I would have explained my idea. I would have shown the benefits in real life scenarios, and I would have made a GoFundMe, and I would have made a hard social media campaign and i want to and i would have made uh people want the product more than making uh me trying to sell the product to people totally because people need it it's just um yeah the the pivot for the internet age it's a it's a piece of technology that relies heavily on the internet that wasn't marketed correctly through the internet because even though and it's interesting too because people did the same thing his technology is just better and he holds the patents Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. doing that you could have created a social revolution had he used the phone in his pocket but he didn't see it as a tool for that he saw it as a tool for communication to try and find the next investor right and that's uh yeah that's a crazy idea and the crazy world that we live in now is like your investor would have been on instagram exactly i guarantee it exactly anything you would have needed would have been there had he started showing people and you know would have been more even more interesting had he shown his failures and his successes yep Yep. probably would have made more money doing that than than the idea in the end totally but yeah super super crazy and so yeah that's that's one of the biggest reasons i'm scared of being an entrepreneur uh i wrote a uh op essay about me and that's what I started with. I was like, the thought of being an entrepreneur was way scarier than the first time I ever smoked cannabis. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But it's in my genes. It's like, yes. I want to do it. I want to do it. Cause, mainly because I fucking hate everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, like, that's that's okay, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like, I like hanging out with people, but like, you know, like sarah is this fucking amazing anomaly where i actually want to spend my life with her everybody else i'm like two hours i'm like get the get the fuck, fuck out, out of here please stop talking yeah like stop it, talking it's amazing when i find people that i actually want to spend uh that much time with as we as we go on two and a half hours of chatting but it's like yeah it's um anyways the internet's the biggest tool you can ever use and and entrepreneurship is definitely in dna and a lot of people are definitely not built to be entrepreneurs as with especially anxiety and like today's interpretation of anxiety yeah i don't think people there's an anxiety problem i think there's an understanding of pressure problem like life fucking sucks life's hard incredible concept my friend yeah shit shit sucks like Mm -hmm. um of your like emotions happy is the only one that's actually like a positive emotion Mm -hmm. everything else is negative in a sense 
Um, so to think that people should feel happy all the time is ridiculous and probably what fuels the anxiety crisis. Like you don't have anxiety, life just fucking sucks the same way it has for thousands of years. Interesting, dude. I, I really agree with you when you say that pressure, that people don't understand how to handle pressure. And I really, and, and I'd, I'd like to fortify that by saying like how much especially uh, uh um social media because that's where the attention is especially in our age range right now mm-hmm. and i'm on the i'm on the other edge you're 25 i'm 35 yeah it's a perfect in, in april right we, we hit exactly that social media range mm-hmm. specifically you know instagram right mm-hmm. facebook i think is probably older now that's an older demographic say, right? that's a 40 Snapchat's 65 really young yeah i would say maybe it's different in, in america but i know in canada like especially in my sphere like no one uses it but in that 25 to 35 instagram instagram really paints a very rosy picture mm-hmm. a very and, and you know they have the studies about this about how um they mentioned this in a pot debate with joe rogan how social media has they can actually studies have shown by the numbers that girls are girls suicide rates have increased by 50 percent due to social media and it's because of this this rosy highlight reel that it always paints that like hey you should always be okay Right, the second you put something negative, like oh, I'm, that's weird. Yeah, no, that's like, weird. I was all talking. This guy, this guy's going through some shit. <laughs> I always tell people Instagram's for flexing or complaining. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said earlier, like oh, I don't want to show everything on Instagram because I feel mm-hmm. like I'm always flexing. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I feel like the the days where I get the most people connecting with me because I make a lot of stories and I feel yeah, like you I've, got some I, pretty awesome stories, man. I try to be authentic in them, and people seem to connect with it because I am a real person. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, like, but I feel, I honestly feel like I could share more of my doubt and more of my struggle with people, but I worry that people don't want to see it, right? Like if Gary Vaynerchuk showed every time he fucking failed, Mm -hmm. he talks about it a lot, but if he like was straight up like showing it, would people like, like it as much? Like if they saw he was failing 50 times a day, Mm -hmm. would they be like, oh yeah, Gary's the guru. Or if they, like, I don't know the stats on VaynerMedia, but I know a lot of very successful companies run at negative deficit. Like, their burn rate is bigger than their uh, income rate, right? Really? Pepsi is a great example of this. Uh, it's it's a huge valued company that doesn't make as much money as it spends every year. Crazy. There's uh, Under Armour is another one of these. Um, I wonder if... Gary Vaynerchuk's businesses are one of, are are examples of this because I'm sure you can get a lot of funding. I'm sure you can get a lot of angel funding, um, but how much does he actually fail? That's interesting. Yeah, he my says guess, he bets on himself all the time. My guess, lots. <laughs> you no, might, knowing what we know, yeah, probably lots. My my guess is probably multiple times a day. He mm-hmm. takes some pretty shitty phone calls. Does he? I would hope so, or else. I don't really like him very much. Right. You know what I mean? Like his whole thing about authenticity and his whole thing. I feel like a lot of people don't like him because of his facade. I like him because like his facade hasn't been broken for me yet. Mm-hmm. I, I still believe he's completely authentic, but that moment he shows me like, uh, nah, he's not taking the calls. He's not doing it because he actually loves it. Uh, he's not failing. Mm-hmm. I'm not really into it. I don't know. And I wish he would show me more of his failures because he talks about it so much. Oh, if that's loose, there's a there's a knobby on the back. Yeah, there you go. 
it got this. Is it good? Is it safe? Yeah. Who else are you watching or listening to right now? Who else do I listen to? Yeah, yeah which, which mentor is using? Just Gary Vee? Uh, and I don't even listen to him that much anymore. At first... You're just a busy guy, man. Yeah. You at, got shit going on. Well, I liked his book. I got his book for everybody for Christmas, Crushing It. Um, and I was listening to him every morning for a while. And I've been listening to him for a long time. But what kind of got annoying to me is... was especially after I started the podcast. was like, yeah, I fucking get it. You don't have to like keep telling me. Like I totally understand. Like I, like I make con- like I quit my job to make content. I'm diversified. I'm trying to create these revenue streams. Like, and so I've 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 stopped listening in the last recent because it's like, I I right now he does nothing to offer me. See, I understand that. And that's why Gary Vee is not one of my 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 pillars because mm-hmm. he doesn't teach too much. Like. Um, actionable tactics no he just tells you like it's just you can always do it. his overarching you know theme so he's kind of great for motivation he's kind of great for you know the just do it but he's and very... that's why he made a hit on the motivational just do it shit and yeah. not wine library tv which actually is his business yeah right 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 and 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 i find he he's very heavy on the hustle like sacrifice absolutely everything keep going keep grinding this and the other but at the same time that's why I really enjoy the other ones, the Grant Cardones, the uh, the Ramit Sethis, the Russell Brunsons, because they give you systems. And even though they are selling you something, but they give you 98% of their content for free. If you just use that content, you're going to do great. The 2%, they give you some very beautifully artisanal products, actionable, that really 10x whatever you're trying to improve. And that's why I can follow them farther than the Gary Vee, because like you said, it's just it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Same thing over and he over again. He says the same fucking thing it's over like a and motivational over again coach. shitty quality. Mm-hmm. That's the funniest thing about it is that his fucking stuff is the lowest, worst quality. Is it? The podcast is fucking terrible. It is, <laughs> you can hear him chewing. Dude, it's so... <laughs> chewing at the mic. It's no. so low quality. No, even Even I the fact that he has a fucking... These beautiful microphones uh, and these amazing guests and it's still so quiet when i listen to it in podcasts mm-hmm. i'm like vayner media how have you fucked up not paying an audio engineer yeah. who understands that people are listening to this on their fucking iphone like dude i can't hear you how have you fucked this basic concept up and it blows my mind that he puts out so much content in that realm of like shaky fucking make you sick video some guy following him around who he still hasn't bought a goddamn gimbal for uh still doesn't wear a fucking wireless mic and people are watching it by the tens of thousands hey what what wireless mic should i get remember i'm filming iphone pure iphone all the time uh there sure makes a good one Ro makes a good one like honestly there's tons of great stage video mics okay um it i just, just needed to sound good on like iphone well, it depends how deep you want to go on your editing. Do you want to record your audio on an outside recorder or do you want it to be built into your phone? Because I don't know. Obviously, don't know. like your your headphones, Yeah. the ear pods are literally the best thing you are can they? use. Yeah. Okay, I'm, they, I'll try that. Yeah, they have noise canceling. Um, they sound great. They're built to work with your phone. I find they pick up a lot of like, um, what do you call this? Outside noise. Outside noise. Yeah, just... Uh, Try and reset them because one of the big things they're supposed to do is cancel outside noise. And that's one of the things your phone's supposed to do okay. with it is okay. only pick up uh, 
your voice. Okay. But yeah, if you like, if you're not, if I wasn't trying to create anything that was like going on TV, mm-hmm. professional quality in that sense, I would be using my ear pods. I wouldn't worry about a really? lavalier. I have a $50 shotgun mic, right? Like that's what I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to use um, these microphones. These little carderoid ones or uh, lavalier carderoid mics. And it's literally just plugs into the bottom of my phone. And then you, and then you put that. Yeah, perfect. Right. And these pick up awesome. 18 bucks. 18 bucks yeah um it, they worked pretty good until i think they i think they broke i don't know i started getting a lower audio quality from them um i still use them in certain circumstances even though i feel like they have a buzz i may have just cranked the wire or something because it's only 18 bucks yeah but and it came with that extender cord that i have plugged into that other mic so sweet um yeah like that's honestly that's all you really need anything fancy there's you could spend a thousand bucks on something like that really quickly but it's just gonna be a waste of money well i do i do absolutely everything on iphone and i i, I want to keep it as long as possible probably mm-hmm. forever so the only next thing i just see is like man if i just have a little bit better audio ear pods just do ear pods with everything okay, done yeah done. i will reset my airpods done yeah do you, yeah because you walked in wearing them right uh, yeah, I probably. Yeah, you have them. You have them. So that's that's the next thing I want because I'm like, shit, the audio quality. When I do Skype calls, um, earpods. When I do really? interviews with people with earpods, it's fucking way better. Dude, wait till you do. Wait till you have the AirPod with the watch. You yeah, don't need, you don't need your phone anymore. <sighs> yeah, you can come home, put the phone onto the dock, and then just walk around your house without that. Have you seen the next? Have you seen the new generation of earpods or the AirPods? No. Um. It's going to be like a much more comfortable design. Yeah. It's going to be foamed, like sit in your ear, but it'll, but it'll fit flat in your ear. Um, so you can just, of course, it'll look like a hearing aid basically. And you could wear them all the time. So ours, our original AirPods look so ghetto. Oh yeah. What, What they're best at doing is making the lesser model feel so ghetto. Right. And then those new ones will be. Well, it's it's in, it's intense to think because at what point, if you look at hearing aid technology and what they're doing with uh, implant hearing aids and stuff, and this new iteration of earpods, it's like we're two years away from an implanted earpod. Well, they already have the contact lenses too. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for that because they were just jacked into the matrix. So they're in our ear and in our eye. Well, yeah. Imagine, you, imagine you're answering reality. You're, you're answering calls with like a quick twitch. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, "Why is he twitching?" He's like, "Oh, he just gets a lot of text His messages." Connection's bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's texting back yeah. right now. Call, call me back. Call me back. Well, it's like that now. I have my AirPods and I, I make a call. I'm like, "Yo, uh, text Don- Andy," and people are like, "Strangers, big like, what? What? What?" Donnie looked like he was at a night in the Roxbury. By the way, just da 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 da. Um, yeah, I do that all the time. Hey Siri, I talk to Hey Siri all the time, and people are like, oh, you actually use that? Yeah. Like, there's an Alexa in the room. Perfect, because Siri sucks. Hey Alexa, shit. say hi. Hi. Hey yeah. Alexa, tell me a joke. What do you call a tea drinking wizard? What? A cup and sorcerer. Hey, <laughs> hey Alexa, who's better, you or Google Home? I like all AIs. 
Ooh, good answer. Good that answer. Was that was cold. She good wasn't answer. she wasn't playing no games. I have a Google Home and I love it. We have one in the kitchen. Isn't it amazing? Um it's better than Alexa. That's for sure. Well it's well Siri's the fucking worst. Like it's I know I was Siri's gonna buy a bag an Apple of garbage. Home and no 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 No, way i'm dodging that one left right and center the alexa though the speaker is much better than the google home really for the same price because they're both 35 Mm dollars well they were when they were on sale i think they're perpetually on sale forever (laughs) yeah yeah the Um, filthy battle they both have against each other this weighs three or four times as much really it's a hefty hefty dude yeah grab it grab it pick it up uh not that much okay i gotta let you pick up the one downstairs too Cause like I picked up the one downstairs, I got the Alexa, and I was like, "Damn, that's a hefty thing." You got it. Picked gotta, up the Google Home Mini, and I was like, "Oh, this is weak." You got a Fugazi Google Home, bro. It's tinny. Yeah, I probably got the rip off. <laughs> this is the thing nobody's telling you. There's like a there's like a bootleg app developer that's making like Google Home. <laughs> it's just Oxante gooing your e at the end and uh, Google st- stealing all your uh, all your information. It's the Michael Google home. The Michael Google. It dresses very nice. And it's very taxing on the uh, welfare system. That's awesome. Okay, well, you know what? It was great having you. Thank you. Thank you for having shit. me. This was, I know, this, was gonna, pretty, this was pretty gnarly, man. I'm going to cut you off. I'm like, fuck. I don't know if anybody listens to two and a half, three hours podcast. <laughs> it took me, honestly, I listened to that pod debate with Joe Rogan. Uh, it, it took me like eight or nine me days too, man. right so okay so now i'm thinking i'm like oh yeah who the fuck is the crazy motherfucker yeah. that's committing to listening to us yeah. for yeah. seven or eight days yeah. um so when, on that this is probably day eight what's your parting thought for that for that person i know that's deep you can give advice you can what's the you could give the biggest lesson you learned you could just straight up tell them anything you want what would you say if you had a microphone and a stool? I would say this. No matter what, you got it good. You got it good. If you have two arms, two legs, and you're breathing when you wake up in the morning, you got it good. Go out there, fuck shit up, go through your battle, go to bed, and be proud of it. Go fuck shit up. That's it. Fucking yeah. crush it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yo, my man. I'm inspired. Yo, my yeah. man. That was a good my one. Man. Oh, boom. My man. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I appreciate it. I'm stoked to work together. I'm stoked to be your partner and, uh, you know, do fucking business stuff. Yeah, we're going to do cool shit, man. Real cool shit. Everybody, check me out. Yeah, give everybody your handles quick. Check me out at Taken Lunch Money. That's, uh, that's Taken Lunch Money without the G in Taken okay come check out our newest venture boost cbd we are pioneering the performance and recovery in cbds you're gonna see some really cool shit cool products cool marketing uh help us out man help us out help help i'm just like you i'm just like you i struggle every day i work my ass off we we, we do our best and honestly we just get the opportunity to do what we love and if you haven't been able to do that yet let me tell you man work hard at your job save every fucking penny uh, research lots, learn lots, and uh, use that mind to make sure that you can do something that you love. Because I don't have to go to work anymore, and it's cool. It's not any easier. It's ten times harder, but it's just as cool. So check us out. Taking lunch, meeting, that's a journey. Boost CBD. We're crushing it. Boom. Thanks for being on Beers with Buds, Donnie. Thank you.